sort of imagine this whole movie project just very casual, very cozy. You know, we can talk about a lot of movies. We can talk about one movie. We don't even have to talk about. We can talk about. TV I mean, shows. I, I I definitely have a lot to get off my chest, movie wise. So, well, <laughs> it's been quite a year. <laughs> well, I think for this, what you know, this inaugural app, while we're still trying to figure out what what we're gonna do, mm-hmm. let's just do it. Let's just do a big un- unload because I think, you know, it would be it would be fun just to talk movies mm-hmm. and not talk about yeah. anything else. So sounds um, good, man. So if this is kind of a 2021, I guess it's not a prospectus because it's a we're looking back. Yeah, it's an informal review because In, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm still processing a lot of movies. Um, there's still some movies I haven't seen from the year, and I I think that's the whole thing with January, February. It's like a chance for you to catch up mm-hmm. with a lot of movies from last year. Um, but I think a lot of the big movies that I anticipated, I I've already seen. There's probably only like a handful of, of, um, minor movies I'm still waiting to catch up on. But so, so before you dig in, are there any like general feelings or trends or things that you noticed from this last year? Um, it was a very mediocre movie year. (laughs) That's my, my general impression. Like the, the phrase I probably said the most after leaving a movie theater was well i didn't need to see that again (laughs) yeah Yeah. and sometimes they would be good movies too it's not just like the bad movies there were just a lot of movies that felt like they were they were good Mm one-offs but you know i think as i'm growing older i'm trying to find those home runs you know i want like the keepers the movies that you know i i can see myself going back to and watching again because you know that's the value of movies to me is you know their rewatchability and their you know and i'm i i feel like it's valid for for a movie to be good but you only need to see it once but you know for the most part that's what i look for when i'm like compiling like my favorite movies of the year mm-hmm. so this year i i don't i barely even have a top five i think yeah. maybe a top four so okay good <laughs> i'm one short you know um yeah. so that's how how i felt about this year yeah yeah, I I sort of concur. You know, I've probably seen maybe a fifth of the movies you've seen, but mm-hmm. my general consensus is that, well, one for my age, I'm now forty. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of through that kind of, well, I don't know, I, I don't know if snarky is the right word, but just through that part <laughs> of my life where I was super judgmental of of right m- movies and like I can kind of enjoy them a little more for for what they are. But even mm-hmm. with that, there was a lot of. Uh, you know, movies that, yeah, just kind of like you said, like I could have, I could have died without having seen them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. But, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of aging, that's the irony too. I feel like, yeah, I mean, 10 years ago, I was definitely at my peak of like film snobbery, but like, I'm getting to the point now where I appreciate a movie for being flawed and mm-hmm. like, you know, those kind of things actually sometimes make the movie unique. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, going back to like my top movies of the year, I actually had to tier it where basically there's there's the movies that are top tier. And those are the four that I I'm, okay. I may bring up. And then um, there's ones that are like they were entertaining, but I still had problems with them. So those are the second tier. Yeah. And then there's the third tier of just all right movies. And then the, the fourth tier is basically like the forgettable ones. And okay, cool. it's just like. I have to log them because, you know, I sure. saw it. So it's like, that's 
that's yeah. I guess the t-shirt that you get you know I saw this movie and all I got was this lousy t-shirt <laughs> yeah all, so, all I got was, was a letterbox yeah, yeah a letterbox log <laughs> yeah like where do you want to start do you want to start at the top or, or the or the bottom uh let's start with the bottom okay. yeah so, all right so what you got the fairly forgettable I like that the uh, alliteration Ooh. fairly forgettable films okay um yeah, so I I have to say uh, one movie that was a big disappointment to me was this film called France. Okay. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's directed by Bruno Dumont, who I admire, but I hadn't seen a film of his in a while uh, because he kind of had an interesting career trajectory where his movies got really heavy and serious, and then he suddenly went into doing like ridiculous comedies oh. and farces. Um, yeah, and then he kind of came back to doing something serious. And then, uh, yeah, this is kind of falls in between. It's kind of a satire. It's um, it's about a newspaper reporter played by Leia Sidhu, who was like, I think, in three movies this year. And uh, another one that was actually fairly forgettable was uh, James Bond, No Time to Die. Oh, she yeah. was in that. Uh, but she was great in The French Dispatch, uh, which I'll, I'll talk about later on. But um, yeah, so... Uh, France, uh, yeah, it was just, I I know, it was a really long, that was the other thing too, I guess, a trend of this year. A lot of movies were over two hours long this year. Like, uh, man, it was, yeah, it was fairly a slog. There's some where it was like, I appreciated the time. I'll bring up one later on. But uh, but most of the time, I'm like, movies don't need to be <laughs> yeah. over two hours. Like, they're just stuffing it with a bunch of stuff. And I don't know, I think it's it's the effect of prestige television where there's just a lot of filler. And movies seem to be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the trend that I'm seeing. But uh, I don't necessarily feel like France had a lot of filler. But it was just that a lot of the stuff that was supposed to be emotional, I was just disconnected from it. Um, so, yeah, uh, fairly disappointed. And I mean, you know, I'll still watch the next movie that Bruno Dumont does. But, um, uh, yeah, uh, just this is kind of a return to watching his films. I'm like, uh, this doesn't bode well. But I do want to go back and yeah. and watch some of the comedic stuff he's done. Okay, like I have friends. Um, actually, shout out to uh, Marcus and Scott from Zebras in America. Uh, they're my favorite movie podcast, and uh, I've been a guest on that podcast a couple of times. They're my friends yes. in real life. I've heard a couple, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a fantastic show. And Marcus is a big fan of Bruno Dumont and he really champions okay. Slack Bay. So I kind of want to see that movie right. because he likes it so much. Cool. So yeah, that was so one of them. I'm ignorant to mm-hmm. to that to that filmmaker. Like is, mm-hmm. is there a movie that stands out, you know, for someone or that you would recommend for someone to start with to kind of get a sense of yeah, well, the thing is his his early stuff is very hard to watch. But I guess his first film is a good entry point because um like wait, you know like, it, is it hard to watch because it's like lo-fi or is it just like uh um you know, they're hard to watch because he has a very austere style like the acting style is like um you know he's he was kind of considered to be um the successor to this french director robert Bresson, who everybody like holds up in high regard i mean i do too but um, so his films are kind of like that. Like he uses a lot of amateur actors okay. and his first movie is, um, called the life of Jesus. And it's not about Jesus at all. <laughs> uh, I don't even think there's a character named Jesus in the movie. 
Uh, these titles, a, what's <laughs> yeah. these titles yeah, yeah. driving me nuts? Right. Um. So yeah, his first <laughs> film, you know, it was really like, yeah, an arrival of a major filmmaker. Like you can feel like he's he's so sure. Because uh, I mean, he kind of cut his teeth like um editing and shooting industrial films for corporations and stuff <laughs> so it was mean. like he was i yeah it's kind of like this thing of everything creative was being repressed and like he found yeah. an outlet through his first okay. film so there's an energy to this film that's incredible and you know it, it establishes what his later films uh were about it's always set in this town in france um i'm blanking on the name but it's a small town and he uses locals as his actors they're all amateurs and his second film, though, both of these films are on Criterion Collection, by the way. His second film is my favorite film of his, which is very controversial. I think it won like a jury prize at Cannes the year it came out and also won Best Actor okay. for the lead, which most people aren't convinced whether he's actually playing a role or he's just playing himself. It's called uh, Humanity. And a lot of people hate it because it's like a police investigation about murders, mm-hmm. but like a lot of it doesn't follow the steps of a police procedural. It's actually very clumsy for a police procedural. <laughs> and then there's just scenes that happen, which, you know, kind of, if you're not used to his wavelength and his, mm-hmm. his, uh, his approach, you might even find funny, you know, okay. like a character, like walking in on, you know, his friends having sex, you know, <laughs> and yeah. he has no reaction to it. So um, yeah, that was okay. disappointing. Okay. Um, so, so France yeah. is France. It's in the category of fairly forgettable. Fairly forgettable. Okay. Yeah, I, I like that. All right. Yeah. Um, okay. So, sticking with France, the country, and the filmmakers, one movie that you know has been everybody's been talking about it, and like you know, a lot of people are predicting it might win the best foreign film Oscar is um, Titan. Um, yes. It. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So um, everybody's making. I can't. A big I deal can't watch film. it though. Like I've scrubbed. I've <laughs> kind of scrubbed th- yeah. through it and read all th- all the synopses, but I'm too scared yeah. to actually watch it. Um. Yeah. Definitely. Do not watch this with your kids. <laughs> it's not. Even though it is about like fatherhood and um, in a very twisted yeah. way. It's, a, it's about. Um. It's, yeah. Parenting uh, in a way. Yeah. Yes. Like, parenting. Actually. Yeah. Um. And. Uh, so it's made by um, uh, Julia Ducarno. I'm I'm not sure if I'm butchering her name or not. And I saw her first film too, which a lot of people were also um, very fond of. It's called Raw. Mm-hmm. But I I thought Raw was okay. And I but you know I went into this film like being optimistic, and it was actually this was another pattern of a lot of movies I saw this year, where it's like there's a lot of movies that are three fourths good, right. and then it kind of just you know falls apart in the last act and i don't i I would say even like this is only half good it's not even three-fourths good like but i was on board like when when there was this whole thing of uh, this is one of my favorite things about watching movies actually and this is what i look for when i'm watching movies not consciously but when it starts to doing it and i'm aware of it i'm just like i'm on board with this which is when you're not you don't know what's going on like you're not aware um, like who is this person? Like, uh, you know, what is their relationship to these people? Like, I love that, you know, in a movie. Right. And sometimes I wish most movies kind of maintain that air of of mystery, yeah. but a lot of them feel the need to, you know, conclude it and stuff and maybe not disorient their audience. But I love being disoriented by movies. Yeah. So that's why I think the first maybe 
20, 30 minutes of the movie is so compelling. And it's another two hour movie, I think. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, because you're you're in that space where you're not even sure. I, I, I don't even remember that much dialogue, actually, mm-hmm. in the, the, the first few parts of the movie, in the first opening. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a shame because it really kind of starts to go downhill once they, they bring in Vincent Lindon, who's like an amazing actor. He's one of my favorite mm-hmm. actors. And usually his presence in movies are great. Right. But in this one, oh man, I don't know like what kind of direction he was getting. It's just, it's a muddled performance and the movie becomes muddled then, as well. So is he the one who kind of plays the father figure who sort of yes, adopts? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, and uh, yeah, I, you know, it's trying to go for some black humor, but it just doesn't work. Um, that's my issue with it. Like, it, there's a there's a scene everybody talks about that happens later on in the movie. I mean, everybody talks about the car scene, right. which you know. Um, but uh, the the scene later on where it's kind of, um, I guess, a gender fluid confusion scene where right. because you know, uh, I mean, we might as well spoil it for people who haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, you have to watch it because of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and or if if you're a fan of this movie, you would you would go out and watch it exactly. yourself. Um, you've already seen it. Like it, it came out in August or something like that. But um, uh, the whole thing uh, is there's a scene where uh, I guess I have to provide some context. So she she basically disguises herself as um the son, the missing son of Vincent Lindon. So um, she kind of alters her appearance. She shaves her eyebrows. She mm-hmm. cuts. She shaves her head. You know, to kind of look more male, she tapes down her breasts. Um, and then she, yeah, the the most like gruesome part is like she breaks her nose, um, you know, to look more masculine. Mm-hmm. So um, Vincent Lindon uh, works with the fire brigade. He's a fireman. And uh, I can't remember what they were celebrating. There was some sort of event that they were celebrating. <laughs> I saw this scene. I saw this. Yeah. Like, and then she, yeah, so she... Huge dance yeah. party. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's just kind of established in early on in the movie that she's like kind of a sexy dancer, that she she dances on top of cars, I guess, at like weird underground car shows. And um, so she starts dancing sensually and all the firemen like have no idea what's going on. Like they're completely confused because yeah. it's like, am I attracted to her yeah. or him? You know, and like. Yeah. You know, so it plays upon that, but that was the part where I just gave up on the movie. I was just like, "Yeah, you lost me." And then I was just thinking, maybe it might salvage itself with the ending, but it didn't. So, yeah, is the ending a bummer? Um, no, it's actually a, a happy ending. Oh, all <laughs> surprisingly right. enough, it's an okay. ironic happy ending. Um, Way to go! Yeah, okay. yeah, uh, yeah. So. You know, I'm sure it's it's probably gonna win more awards, yeah. but it's not yeah. my my vote. You know, from what I saw, it looks cool. Like the mm-hmm. like the way it's shot, it looks it looks really cool. The car scene you're talking about, I think, is mm-hmm. the car scene where the lead character sort of has amorous feelings towards the automobile. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and it it actually impregnates her. So that's yeah. the other thing that she's trying to suppress. You know, she's trying to present as male, but she's also pregnant, so yeah. she kind of has to cover up her I belly know. as well. I know it's like it's almost it's almost uh, you you can kind of see Fast and the Furious somehow incorporating some mm-hmm. of this ideas into like their 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 
upcoming. You know, <laughs> I mean, I would series. love that if the series went into that direction. I yeah. mean, you know, the, it um, it's gotten comparisons to David Cronenberg's Crash, which is a much oh, better yeah. movie. If, yeah. if you're if you're interested in that kind of twisted subgenre and like how it it's actually able to you know stick to landing. Like I feel like David Cronenberg's Crash, which came out in '96, so it's already yeah. you know 25 years old. Um, uh, you know that that's a movie that that's worth watching because I yeah. think it it deals with these ideas in a more interesting way um, than okay. than Titan does. So yeah, well, yeah. well, I gotta ask is all right. Don't you don't have to to say where mm-hmm. it is, but is mm-hmm. is Fast Nine at anywhere in your in these categories? <laughs> I'm actually looking at my notes right now, and it's not even on the list. Oh, okay. Like I completely okay. forgot that I saw it. Okay, well, well, <laughs> like, even, well. Once we're through, I I definitely want to talk about Fast Nine at some point. Yeah, yeah, but, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, because we actually saw it together, right? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was a great. That was a great <laughs> experience. Well, ma- yeah, yeah. Maybe let's just talk about it now, because I mean, yeah, yeah. Let's the actual, now, yeah. the actual. So this might be one of those movies that kind of falls in this weird in between, where it's like we know it's not necessarily great. Mm-hmm. But it is. It does fall in this kind of rewatchable. Easy. It's a very easy to watch movie. Mm-hmm. You know what you're gonna get. Kind of a movie. Um, it's ridiculous. It's. But right. It's also. Um, it also delivers on your expectations. And just the experience we had of watching it in a theater in July, it was roughly right when it came out. Like you know, like pretty right. close to the premiere, and and how. Our family, we filled out, um, we did, you know, sort of a game where we had to guess when, at what point in the movie, <laughs> Dom would talk about family. He somehow right. just mentioned he the mentions word, the word family, yeah. Mentions the word family. And so we, we had, it, you know, I think we had it broken down from um, first 10 minutes, minute 10 to 20, first half hour, et cetera. Yeah, and it wasn't until like minute. It was it was probably two hours and twenty minutes. So again, yeah. another so whoever long, picked the last one got whoever it. Whoever picked the <laughs> last one got it, and it and it wasn't Dom. It was Young Dom in a flashback yes. <laughs> said it, and I remember we all stood up and like cheered. <laughs> we yeah. were so we happy were waiting for it because <laughs> yeah, the movie really does tease you with it because other people say it. You know, other yeah. characters do, and you, you're waiting for him to say it. Yeah. And then, of course, it's a, a different iteration of him. And yeah, I mean, we should also point out that we had a family only screening. Like, this is kind yeah. of, I guess, uh, symbolic of uh, the pandemic that we, yeah, the, this theater was rented out by my dad mm-hmm. for his birthday. And yeah, it was all just family. Nobody was it, else, no strangers uh, were in the theater. It was just yeah. all us. It was nice. You know, it was July. We all felt safe mm-hmm. we all it was really easy it felt good to be around yeah. each other and it was a re- it was a good movie to pick just because it's so silly right I, I mean my favorite scene it's still a scene i think about to this day of is is when Ludacris and tyrese i think <laughs> yeah. or they drive a car in space through a satellite and they right. and they, they, and they survive <laughs> and, they, and they kind of you know save everything it's just one of those scenes that while it's happening, it's so ridiculous. But then when they drive, it actually kind of pays off. Like I actually got excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, all they needed was duct tape, right? That was the secret. <laughs> exactly. And so it's like, how do you even like? Is is it a parody at this point? Like, is it? 
Right. You know, you know, has Fast has the Fast and Furious franchise gone from starting off as like Scream and ending up as Scary Movie? You know, like has it become its own <laughs> yeah, yeah, self parody? Yeah. It's you hard live to long tell. enough to be your own parody. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm curious because I would actually be down to to direct the Fast and the Furious movie, but oh, they would have yeah. to give me carte blanche. Like, I mean, you know, I'm sure I was like, I have to have some sort of canon or continuity bits, but like, I want to be able to just do it as uh, I f- see fit. Like, and just like, like, let me make my weird Fast and the Furious movie. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a storyline or a subplot that you have in mind already? Um. Not really. I mean, you know, it would involve a heist, but uh, I yes. think it, it's more about my my approach to it. Like, you know, I, I don't want to write the script to it. I just want to take like one of the cookie cutter scripts and then yeah. use that as like um, a jumping off point for what I want to do and just take it to like crazy mm-hmm. places. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's, there's still going to be car chases and stunts, but uh, I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> so, um yeah. Awesome. So if 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 any of the producers of Fast and the Furious <laughs> are hearing this, you yeah. know, sign yeah. me up. Yeah. Well, if I win a lottery, I'll I'll fund it. So hell yeah, yeah. let's hell do yeah. it. <laughs> it's half a billion right now. Ooh. Okay. On Powerball. Yeah. Okay. We can do that. Um. Yeah. Right. So uh. Yeah. I I don't really want to spend too much on on the fairly forgettable movies because yeah. then let's I'm trying on. to remember them. Yeah, so let, let's do the the all right tier, which is probably the biggest tier for okay. me. Like there were a lot of all right movies, I think, this year. Um, you know, one recent one, which you know, I I we've been texting about and was gonna be the subject of our our podcast initially was uh, the Matrix. You know, the fourth Matrix movie. Let's get into and, it. All right, okay, so yeah, let me hear what you because I haven't heard what you okay your thoughts are on the movie. So so. We we rewatched the original Matrix the day before we watched the new one, you know, just to nice. kind of get a refresher. And sure, it's you know the rewatch of the Matrix is and is so great. It's it it's mm-hmm. so fast. It's so well paced, and they accomplish you know they get across all the complicated um, plot points in a way that's smooth. You kind of get it, or you or you can kind of figure it out later. It all makes sense essentially by the get by the time you get to the end, and Neo or sorry Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss have so much chemistry. Like you, like the whole time you're just like rooting for them to hook up. You can like feel it, and so okay. my experience watching the Matrix Resurrections was really I could have watched the whole movie could have just been them, you know, Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss talking in that cafe, um, right. and just kind of feeling those vibes and kind of trying to remember the romance and kind of having that it's kind of like moonlighting in a way where it's just like there's tension but they can't act on it just because the other storylines um i felt like were jammed in they were really confusing it was really confusing trying to understand all the different programs in this new matrix like mm-hmm. you know so it seemed like the new it seemed like um uh, Jonathan Groff's character and Neil Patrick Harris's character were sort of advanced programs, but one could do more than the other, and it, it was it was really unclear, right? You know what rules they were all kind of abiding by, mm-hmm. and then ultimately, when you know when you get to to the end, and then there's the big fights, and then at the end they kind of come back and revisit Neil Patrick Harris's character. <laughs> I don't know it just didn't feel very. Uh, 
impactful or it didn't feel like a conclusion. Mm-hmm. It just felt messy and like, yeah, like, like I was already sort of checked out and I just wanted more of Neo and Trinity, but I don't think it gotcha. was possible. Yeah. And for me, I, I actually am coming from another perspective that I don't really, I didn't feel their chemistry. Like oh. maybe a little more in this movie, but in the original trilogy, I didn't feel it at all. Like I, I was kind of bored by that storyline. Actually, I mean, for me, Matrix was really all about the ideas that it was presenting. Yeah. Like that's what fascinated me about it, and of course, the memorable action. And you know, I'm a fan of the first two movies, and I definitely dropped off on the third one, even though I I do kind of want to revisit it because it does feel like the third one. Uh, I'm, I want to know which is worse, basically, uh, <laughs> the yeah. third one or the fourth. You know, because right. uh, yeah, they're they're both kind of, uh, I guess, them going overboard. Even though this time around, it's it's only Lana Wachowski. Um, Lily de- declined to be part of it, and you can understand why. But there's a lot of like meta things mm-hmm. going on in this movie, and I just in in Matrix Resurrections, yeah, and I just don't think it. it you can take it seriously, you know, even the filmmakers themselves are not taking it seriously. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Lana Wachowski and her work and um, uh, David Mitchell, who he got as a, uh, she got as a co-writer on this, on this um, project. Cause he's an amazing author. You know, I love his books like ghost written and cloud Atlas. And he's also written um, some episodes of sense eight, the Wachowski's uh, uh-huh. Netflix show. Um, and yeah, he's brilliant. You know, he definitely has talent and he has these ideas, but there was no execution with these ideas. You know, um, I was actually another movie that, you know, I was on board for it for like maybe the first third or so until it started revealing that it's like, oh, this is all fake. You know, I wanted it to kind of be a new story and for it to be like, well, what if the other Matrix was just a video game? You know, like it wasn't, um, it's not mm-hmm. just an illusion that was presented um, to Neo to kind of convince him of his new life. Because, yeah, um, yeah th- those moments, yeah, like you were saying, you like the cafe scene. I like that montage where he's just like going through his life where <laughs> he's yeah. eating a steak or, you know, being depressed in the bathtub with the rubber ducky on his head. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> like those, yeah. those kind of moments I, I enjoyed. And I, you know, uh, I, this is where I I kind of am conflicted with the movie because there's things that I admire about it and I don't mind that they're presenting something new. Like, I wasn't really expecting it to be a new Matrix and it was going to top, like, the previous movies. That is, like, this is the reason why we had to bring it back. Like, um, once I started to understand that the goal was, like, okay, we're we're making fun of the studio because... You know, it even alludes to it in one scene where uh, Keanu or Neo meets his boss, Smith, uh, played by Jonathan Groff, where he says, like, they're going to do the sequel whether you like it or not. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's that attitude of basically Lana Wachowski feeling and feel like, okay, if you're going to destroy my property, um, I want to do it my way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, instead of you, like, taking some hack director to yeah. do it. And I mean, there's still some interesting ideas at play but yeah everything is done in just like kind of a half-hearted way because that's really it like it it feels like they didn't want to do this but uh you know warner brothers is going to push ahead with it regardless yeah and you know it's like okay well let's just have fun with it because yeah you know there's no memorable action maybe 
one sequence that I that sticks out in my head was the um the bike chase sequence just because of um you know the those people getting taken over and starting to drop right. on them. Yeah, like that. That's the only action sequence that really sticks in my head, but everything else was very generic and I think probably on purpose. You know, yeah. like <laughs> that scene so, in particular, yeah. When when the when, when the people were falling out of the buildings, you know, mm-hmm. intentionally, that was pretty jarring. I remember, th- yeah. like, like thinking sort of in a post nine eleven kind of vibe. That's right. Like, oh, yeah. This feels this feels a lot heavier than it would have been mm-hmm. in ninety nine. You know, seeing right. something like that. Yeah, because I mean, even um, that was the other thing I remember the release of the Matrix like coinciding in 99 with you know the Columbine massacre so the, you know it was still a discussion point in terms of violence and what we see um, I, even though I, I think it it came out yeah it came out in the summer of 99 so um, Columbine happened just before so there, there couldn't April. have been any yeah yeah, yeah April so um, uh, but still like that was a discussion point and especially like you know Ramstein was was on the soundtrack and you know um uh, the oh, yeah. two shooters listened to Ramstein so yeah <laughs> you know there was all these things back then so uh but yeah i i think that wasn't really intentional um on either case yeah but it did you know some movies do evoke that but yeah yeah it's just um i don't know and then the i guess another irony of of them kind of burning the house down with this movie was it actually opens itself to more sequels. <laughs> like, I know, right? Is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it, it ends on a point where it's like, okay, now we have this continuing yeah. battle. Um, but now they're awake again and now there's two ones. <laughs> right. And so, so it's like I think for me, it's it had been it had been so long that I think. I, I got really excited for this new Matrix in a way that I hadn't been in a long time. And I, I think I was hoping for it to be some something that it probably couldn't actually have been. Because they've mm-hmm. already made two sequels to The Matrix that weren't as great as the first one. Yeah. So expecting anything different is was, was, was probably foolish on my end. So I right. think, you know, if, if they're going to continue the storyline, it's sort of, I have to kind of just put my head into a different place I'm right like, okay, yeah okay. yeah i mean like, i think yeah that's the shock for most people yeah. like that's why every time i i mean most people the general consensus i'm getting is that everybody hates it and that's always the thing that um i i catch is that um you know that adjustment that you need to make for this movie because you're you're in the mode still of the old trilogy and it's not it's not part of that trilogy anymore it's like kind of peripheral to it right you know it's it's completely outside yeah. of it so I, yeah like I just think this one in particular, it maybe had one too many new elements, or maybe two too many new elements. Like they maybe didn't need Neil Patrick Harris and Jonathan mm-hmm. Groff, or they didn't need as many of the new sort of crew that was part of mm-hmm. getting Neo and Trinity out of out right of the, uh, the Matrix. Yeah, I mean that that's definitely the point where the movie lost me was when they had to go on that mission to rescue Trinity. I was just like, okay, where is this going? Like it's yeah. kind of. It's getting started again, right? And then I, I think, yeah, just going back to like your original ideas of like what, like what are the ideas they're trying to get mm-hmm. across? You know that would, you know that they did so well in the first series or in the first, you know, the first installment. You know, mm-hmm. they definitely seem like with the first trilogy and then this new one. There's a real emphasis again on just like on love, 
and mm-hmm. like and 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 sometimes that can it's just like it kind of falls flat you know because it's kind yeah. of in every m- movie um but then the other i guess a big idea that they're trying to get across is that you'll you're never not in the simulation you're never not right it's it's, it's never not happening yeah because yeah i mean that was really what drew me in yeah. to like watching a new matrix movie was i was just curious how it was gonna deal with these ideas of how we're operating today because you know we've been talking about vr i think in the general discussion for a long time now and there's now these discussions that vr is already here it's like when you're treating like your experience on social media as a real thing like you know especially twitter which is one of those toxic places and like you know that forces you to quit or you know um worse uh that that's really it it's like it always reminds me of the um what is it the the tyler uh the creator quote where he says that cyberbullying doesn't exist because all you need to do is close your eyes yeah. you know <laughs> and um you know that's really it virtual reality is here but yeah those ideas aren't really um explored enough i feel in the movie even though the the trailer kind of alludes to it, like especially that sequence where he's in the elevator and everybody's on their phone you know i really thought it was gonna explore that of like how everybody's just connected yeah. to their devices yeah. in that way um but yeah it, it didn't even go that that route so yeah and and, yeah. and and just going back to like something like twitter and even instagram so many of the comments are generated mm-hmm. by bots or or yep. you know th- you know things that aren't yeah. there followers so like, as well yeah so there's yeah um. so so everyone's you know yeah so your your follower count is is inflated you know mm-hmm. the messages you're seeing are you know your brain registers it as from a person but it's it's right. it's probably not and so it's like yeah. there there would be it would be nice I mean, it, it would be difficult to do in in a movie, but somehow to thread that needle to tie in what's happening in the Matrix with all the bots and the AI with something that's tangible in our current predicament. Mm-hmm. But I also get that, you know, that's a tough needle to thread there. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think also, yeah, it just falls in between two stools. Like, I don't think the humor hit the mark either. Yeah. Um. Especially with these these new characters that work in the the game dev. Uh, Annoying. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And like that's something uh, that wasn't in the original movies. Like probably the closest character that was like that was the the uh, I can't even I'm blanking on his name. Uh. The the kid who who creates the the lady in the red dress. Right. You know where he like he's kind of a fan as well and he's part of the crew yeah you know but they they really exaggerate and i you know the, like what really hammered it home which I, I always bring up to me like why i think this fourth matrix is a joke is um the, <laughs> the ending where one it uses a really terrible cover of rage against the machines wake up that was offensive know? i did yeah. not appreciate that cover <laughs> yeah that and then it has a post credit scene did you see the post credit scene yeah, what was it again? I did see it. It's, it goes back to the meeting that the developers, yeah. the game developers are having. And um, they talk about like a uh, cat matrix. <laughs> like creating yeah, a cat like, matrix. And it's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's terrible. It, 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 feels, it feels somewhat like self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, um, 
And so, and maybe that's just what it is. Like maybe, maybe it's moved into that fast nine category where it's just like, we're doing half parodies of the original matrix yeah. and, and just enjoy it, you know? Right. Know. Well, we'll see. Like it, it feels yeah. like it's still in between and I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I'll still probably watch the next one. I'll still give it another chance, of course, <laughs> you yeah. know? But uh, we'll see. Maybe, you know, the Wachowskis might not even be involved in, in the next few movies. Um, mm-hmm. Who knows? But uh, but yeah, like probably uh, Ryan just, Johnson's Matrix. Or something oh like that. my god! All right, that one I'm, I'm definitely avoiding. <laughs> JJ um, Abrams, <laughs> JJ Abrams yeah. Matrix. Yes. Um, no, but uh, I will just say the reason why I admire it is because I guess I approach it from the perspective of being a creator of something mm-hmm. and like you know giving up that you know that reign that you have on on your creation and you know because it wouldn't have been possible without this massive studio backing you and you know a lot of people this is their perspective on the Wachowskis anyway which is that because they've, they've been basically been able to make whatever movies they wanted after the matrix trilogy yep. you know um, and they've they've done some pretty original work but people are thinking well that's just basically them kind of um uh, like warner brothers owes them something because yeah. uh you know they made them so much money with the matrix movies you know but yeah. then there's this whole thing of like well yeah do you want to just be associated with this like it's kind of like you yeah. want to cut yourself from what you're yeah. recognized for you know because you want to move on like there's yeah. there's other things that you you're interested in and you're you're not all about that one creation you created 20 years ago you know i know so so i understand yeah, that aspect of it yeah it takes a special kind of you know, maybe narcissism is not the right word, but something in that mm-hmm. realm where it's like you, like they, like there, there's an alternative universe where the Wachowskis just doubled down on the Matrix and created like a Disneyland style Matrix land and just like sure. totally made it merchandisable and you can go and you can fly around or you know, but you know, we're right living in in this in this universe. So <laughs> when it came out in like. Like where were you in in ninety nine? Like, when you came um, out? I I was in the Philippines um, at that time, and you know, I I was I was uh, like seeing all this promotion for it um, on MTV, so I was really hyped to go see it because yeah. like the bullet time stuff, like all of that was yeah. just something I'd never seen before. And then I mean the soundtrack, like a lot of those bands I listened to at that time. So like you know, we mentioned Rage, Rammstein. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Rob Zombie, you know, Deftones as well. Oh man, yeah. So yeah. it had all these great bands on the soundtrack. So I was I was totally down. Like I was totally on board. And I remember though I was a little disappointed by the ending because it was left open-ended, you know, when he flies away. Right. Uh, and I'm surprised to hear other people saying like, oh yeah, no, that was the perfect ending. You know, like it, you could have ended it there. And I was like, no, it, it really opened itself up to sequels by ending it that way right you know i remember some people thought it was unclear who he was talking to on the phone at the end mm-hmm. you know sure. I, I you know i assume he's talking to the machines but um right yeah yeah i i remember being pretty hyped and then going to see it with a friend and like just being blown away loving it and i mm-hmm. turned to my friend and i was like what do you think and she says something to the effect of it was awesome I don't understand it. Can you explain it? <laughs> so it's like, so like I had yeah. to like, I had to like the backtrack because I think to some, it, it probably did go over their heads at the time. Mm-hmm. 
But, yeah, um, I mean, I wasn't even aware of Baudrillard at the time and the idea of the simulacra and the uh, simulation. Yeah. Like all of that um, yeah. went over my head too. Like yeah. the just the idea of reality. I mean, I'd always been fascinated by it because uh, I guess I'm just uh, preoccupied with um, this idea that you know, like there's this this gulf between dreams and reality, yeah. and like how film is basically that gulf. You know that you can present something that that looks and feels real but it's not you know um and that's what my dreams are they, they're basically movies so yeah. <laughs> um uh so yeah i the, the, those ideas fascinate but i had no idea about the academic aspects which are hammered home by the third one i mean you know the whole zion council and then they even have cornell west there right. discussing ideas you know yeah. it's just like um yeah i mean it and it's it's funny because it it also came out in out the same summer that Phantom Menace came out, you know, in '99, and so the the Star Wars trilogy was like restarting as well, and that was yeah. one of the criticisms of of that uh, that trilogy was that there were too many Jedi Council meetings, <laughs> and then and then you got it in the Matrix as well, which was like everybody was saying was the new Star Wars, you know, it was like the Star yeah. Wars for our generation, yeah, you know, yeah, um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. okay. Well, I think so. So, what category officially is Matrix Resurrection? Uh, I, I would say it's all right because I, yeah. I, I still feel like it, it's worth a revisit. Yeah. Um, and especially like having time to process. I'm glad actually we're recording it. Uh, yeah. this, this episode a week after I, I don't know, now two weeks after I saw it because I saw it on Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, but if had we had this podcast on the 27th that we originally planned, like I would have probably just hated it completely. Right. And, you know, but now that I've had time to process it, like I feel like I can revisit it. And I, my friend that I mentioned from Zebras in America, Scott, he's a much bigger Wachowskis fan than I okay. am. Like he's stuck with them through all of these movies. And he even loves Jupiter Ascending, which I am, I, I haven't seen, but I'm kind of trepidatious about. Nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would, I would love to have a con conversation with him about it because maybe he might have some sort of perspective that it might enlighten me about this film. So I would definitely come back to it and, yeah. you know, um, sure. yeah. And I just want to skim through, this is the all right category. I just want to sure, skim through them. And then if, if there's any ones that you want to talk about, cool. um, in depth than we can so the other big movie of this year obviously and i mean i probably the biggest movie of the year in terms of box office was um uh, spider-man no way home so i thought that was all right did you yeah. see that i have not seen it but yeah yeah, yeah it, it's yeah in, so in the queue yeah okay all right yeah i mean it was all right so uh nightmare alley also all right <laughs> okay um suicide squad the suicide squad did you see that no did not miss that one okay so uh, I think like, it's back on HBO Max, so okay. you can you can probably watch it again. Okay. Um, but yeah, that that was actually enjoyable, and that's another one that I think I, you know I would if it was on TV I would watch it. You know, it's like it has some memorable parts in it. I don't want to yeah. spoil it for you, but um, yeah, there were some enjoyable bits. Uh, the Card Counter, which was the new Paul Schrader film, I do feel though Oscar Isaac should deserve some recognition for his uh, his his role in this movie because um yeah he was really good in it okay so it's one of those performances that 
like kind of is better than the movie itself and i actually like tiffany haddish in it as well like a lot of people were like what is she doing this serious movie as a kind of a romantic interest too but i thought she was actually pretty good oh good and then um pig which you know i think nicholas cage will will garner some you know a lot of people love pig and i saw it twice and the thing was i i liked it the two times that i watched it but the longer it kind of stayed with me i was just uh, yeah it was just an all right movie like i don't want to see it again uh-huh. you know <laughs> but it, it you know where it's going it's just it doesn't work as much you know yeah um last duel which nobody saw <laughs> it was yeah. a it was a big box office bomb but you know i i still appreciated it i i like jody comer a lot um she's in another movie i'll mention later that like, i i really what liked. kind of a movie is it uh, Last Duel is like a medieval uh, drama, but uh, it it kind of um, touches upon Rashomon in the sense that there's this event that happens and it it plays out through the different perspectives of the people involved. Cool. Yeah. 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 So I thought that was really well done, and um, yeah, I, I yeah, again, it was just like I don't really need to see that again. You know, right. <laughs> it was entertaining for that one time I saw it, but like. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, also kind of medieval and religious was Benedetta, which was also a really fun uh, yeah. viewing experience. But again, yeah, I just don't need to see it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, a pod, or sorry, that's a movie that I've heard talked about on other podcasts. Mm-hmm. It's kind of being an underrated and really good film. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people like it. Worth and, seeing. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I love Paul Verhoeven, so I'll see anything he does. Um, you know, and I actually rewatched RoboCop within the same week. Yeah, so because yeah. uh, it, it's funny how that's one of the movies that they still like herald from the director of RoboCop. And oh I'm yeah, like, man, this movie was like almost forty <laughs> years ago, and um, yeah, that's the movie yeah. that he's still known for. You know, that's how it goes. Um, yep. So yeah, let's let's move on to the next category, which is the movies that I really enjoyed, but you know I had like cool. quibbles, qualms about. Okay. Um, so wait, mentioning oh, no, Bef- go ahead. before we get going, can we take a pee break? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. All yeah, right, cool, no problem. All right. All right, and we're back. I was thinking like like maybe like fill a pee pee time, something like that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh man, we'll find it. We'll figure yeah, it yeah. Out. All right. Sponsored by no one. Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely hope you know if anyone's listening, please during the pee breaks take your own pee break. Remember to hydrate. It's kind of a health and wellness kind of a vibe sure. along with a, mo- a movie vibe. Yep. Definitely take care of yourselves. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. So we were just getting into this new category. Yes. Um, actually, I want to say what my uh my formal title for it is okay which is uh troublesome but really enjoyed Ooh. <laughs> so okay. that, that, that's um uh so i had some some issues with them and i i you know i can give them at least like all right. one-liners unless you want to discuss them in so um so overall yeah. after seeing it you're like you know what i enjoyed that but these yeah. couple of things i gotta kind of yeah yeah nail them yeah. Down. There's just, okay. yeah there's always like this flaw and you know i guess it's 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 uh, contradicting what i said about like appreciating movies with flaws but it, like i guess um uh, there's just some flaws that you can't get past you know where it's yeah. just uh man like you know it, it, it just um 
you get tripped up by okay. it. So I like it. Um, yeah. Let's so go. yeah, just to tie in with the last duel and Jodie Comer, she was in another movie, and it also ties into the Matrix because I feel like the ideas that they were trying to get across in the Matrix, this movie did a lot better, mm-hmm. which is Free Guy. Have oh. you seen Free Guy? No. Uh, yeah, this was a movie that I was like sick of the trailer all year like i every time it came on i was just like man i hate this trailer like i can't wait for this movie to come out so i don't have to see this trailer anymore and then i watched it and then i was pleasantly surprised like i really enjoyed it like what cut like what genre is it like it's a comedy slash action movie it's with ryan reynolds it's basically like ryan reynolds is an npc in a video game who kind of becomes sentient Oh, right. Okay. Um, yeah. And so there is some Matrix parallels there, you know, and it's him kind of having this awakening and then realizing the power that he has, um, you know, and it, it's totally predictable fluff. You know exactly where it's going, but right. the way it gets there is really fun. You know, it's good natured. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of objectives for, for objections to the movie that I don't disagree with, which is that. You know, it's a commercial product and it's kind of fulfilling this whole thing of, you know, keeping us in this system of consuming and, you know, all of these things. But like, I, I, I feel like actually as a, a state of, um, you know, the zeitgeist, um, it's actually pretty accurate, you know, and being a gamer myself, even though I'm not a hardcore gamer, uh-huh. like I felt like there were a lot of things that spoke to me in the movie. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, and I mean, and it's a very just topical sort of subject. You know, a lot, a lot of mm-hmm. people in the zeitgeist talk about NPCs and, you know, mm-hmm. they use it as a pejorative, you know, to kind of right. make fun of it. Like, oh, I'm awake, but you're an NPC or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> so, I, you right. know, and so a movie, a movie that just kind of can accomplish just getting that idea out in a mm-hmm. way that's entertaining is probably a net benefit, you know, just to kind of... Yeah, and... Again, like, you know, the studio that, like, destroyed this year was really Disney, you know, and it's a Disney movie. Um, but it, I think it, it, it's definitely at least a PG-13 movie. So yeah. it, it does a lot of things that I don't think Disney would have because right. I think it was originally a 20th century Fox movie. And we're in this weird kind of thing now where, um, uh, you know, these these tw- I, I think Disney doesn't know what to do with its 20th century Fox properties because they just acquired Fox in order to get X-Men <laughs> and unify their their Marvel dominance, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all these Fox properties now, they don't know what to do with them. So uh, I'm glad that this one, even though it could have fallen between the cracks, it actually, yeah, it really worked. It was a really enjoyable movie. And yeah, I do like that Mariah Carey song, I have to admit, you know, <laughs> fantasy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, so. well, you know, like there's not a, a lot of singers like her anymore. Like I was just trying to mm-hmm. think about that, like just like a like a crazy range pop star who's also respected right. a, sort of across mm-hmm. a, across the gamut, you know? Yeah, because you know, there was a remix of Fantasy, I remember, with ODB. And that wasn't heard of, too. Like, you know, you have this this kind of wholesome, yeah. clean cut, like incredible voice. And then you have odb (laughs) and just that contrast of that remix is incredible you know and i I don't think that's you know uh that's something that you wouldn't see today you know yeah yeah um so yeah free guy really enjoyable um like yeah like uh, like, is it kind of in the vein like you mentioned pg-13 is it kind of in the vein mm -hmm. of like 
of like a back to the future or something where it's like it's kind of edgy but it's wholesome Mm -hmm. yeah i would say so you know uh it's definitely got the you know it it toes the line basically you know um there's definitely a lot of innuendo like that um and you know the violence is is fairly bloodless but you know you get to see you you know you see people getting shot you know in the head and stuff like that (laughs) um so yeah unavoidable um yeah and then um uh next movie that uh, is in this category is this movie called violet which i i know also hardly anybody saw because i couldn't even find it in the theater like i had to um find other ways to see it yeah um uh but yeah it's a directorial debut of uh justin bateman who um is the uh, sister of uh jason bateman and i think they were on a sitcom together i can't remember the title because i never saw it but she was also bateman was on um speaking of back to the future i think she was Mm -hmm. in in that show with michael j fox uh oh was it that show well, which was, of course, and it's skipping my brain, but yeah, uh, hmm. not was it? Is that was that? That wasn't Growing Pains, right? No, the one I was thinking of Growing Pains, but that's uh that's isn't that Kirk Cameron? Yeah, that's Kirk. Yeah. Cameron. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well. Well, you know, people that, know. That, yeah, that yeah, famous yeah, so. 80s sitcom with Michael yeah, J. Yeah. Fox so, and Justine Bateman. Yeah. So Justin Bateman, she's interesting because you know, um, uh she was one of those really attractive actresses when she was younger and she's i i feel like the machine has like taken her in and then spat her out again and um i'm glad that she's found you know another uh you know role basically as a director because her movie is very original it stars olivia munn and olivia munn basically works for um like a production company in hollywood Okay. And it's all about like Olivia Munn's uh, her character named Violet, who is experiencing a lot of um, uh, anxiety and like kind of a psychogenic fugue. Like, and it has all these experimental elements in it, which I really loved. You know, it was just such a unique and original, I think, first film. And I can just tell that she, uh, Justin Bateman, really wants to try different things. And I hope she continues on that path. Like, I really think that her next movie should be like that. But, you know, the nitpicky part of me, which is why this movie is not top tier, is that it has, like, a really forced, like, happy ending. Um, Which is, I guess I'm spoiling for people. But, but yeah, it didn't... I felt like it didn't need to go in that direction. Um, I won't dwell on the specifics because, yeah, then people will know. But it's just this whole thing of, like, I guess if we're, we're talking about a a girl boss character mm. like i just don't think she would uh i mean you know i i they deserve to be happy but i think from what i've heard of anecdotal evidence like being a girl boss is not as rewarding right as <laughs> as sure. a, the, yeah the movie concludes but right. um but yeah olivia munn's great in it her, i mean she should get some awards recognition for cool. her performance too Cool. Like, um, like, and, yeah. is is this the kind of film where you think Justine Bateman will get some recognition? I hope so. You know, like, it would be great if this is like the next period in her career, because you know, I mean, very different filmmaker. But I'm also thinking of uh, a parallel career being like Ron Howard, 
you know, how Ron Howard was this sure. fresh faced kid and then he started losing his hair and then he started turning to directing, <laughs> you know, so it's a similar thing where, you know, I mean, Justin Bateman, if you've seen her, her looks have definitely faded, you know, and I'm not being like a offense, deliberately offensive. It's just like she doesn't look Ageist. the same way that she yeah. used. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was just really a fascinating film because I'm sure a lot of, uh, I mean, one of the things that comes up often in the film is the, the, the sexual harassment that Violet has to deal with. And I'm sure that's based on her experience of dealing with Hollywood types, you know, so, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, uh, uh, growing older too. So yeah, definitely. I hope uh, she, she continues and yeah, it will go a long way. Actually, if she does get awards recognition, because, nice. you know, you know, having nominations always yeah. will convince money yeah. people. <laughs> and, so. and it does seem like the inner workings of, of production companies and you know and like just that whole world is is both a topic that's both ripe for stories and then it's just it's just it's in the zeitgeist right now like you know yeah. everyone everyone is kind of aware of how well everyone's been aware of how sleazy it is and it's just mm -hmm. it's now at the time where it's like okay we right. can actually kind of show it and maybe not offend the studio heads because hopefully they're mm -hmm. now in, you know just you know they're they're because they're aware of what's happening now right Right, exactly. So, yeah, Violet, highly recommended. Nice. Um, next movie is The French Dispatch. Have you seen that? No. Yeah, that's Wes Anderson's latest movie. And yeah. um, I'm I'm hot and cold with Wes Anderson. You know, yeah. um, I I think I really dropped off when he made the Darjeeling Limited. Like I I really dislike that movie a lot. Sleepy. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but uh, he um, yeah, he. He's now made two movies in a row that I really enjoyed because I really like his previous film before this one, um, uh, Isle of Dogs. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I liked that. Yeah, that was one of my top movies of that year. Mm -hmm. um, and this is great because, um, you know, it's it's a lovely tribute to The New Yorker um, and uh, great cast. I mean, you know, not all the stories are equal. And, I, you know, again, the nitpicky part is that some story because it's three main stories in the magazine the the entire movie's formatted like a magazine so you know you have okay. the editorial at the beginning and then the little feature and then the three featured stories nice and um yeah i would say two of the three are really good and then the middle one is the one where i'm i kind of lose interest a little bit right. um uh but yeah it, it, it wes anderson kind of gets ragged on for making the same movie over and over oh. again with the same style that can be parodied but he's actually trying different things in this movie like there's a lot of experiments with black and white and color which i really enjoyed and then um uh, uh even just the the screen size like the format of the screen like it most of the movie is in that box t four by three aspect mm -hmm. ratio but sometimes like when the shot calls for it he'll he'll do oh. a widescreen shot uh Great. 16 by 9 and then um uh and then there's also incorporating animation which is great mm -hmm. and like how that ties into the magazine is very clever because you know how magazines sometimes articles will have like oh, yeah. a cartoon yep. or something portraying part of the story so i thought that was just really well done and obviously like the colors the design it was yeah. it was it was well made but that's just really it like i i felt like the middle story of of the 
the movie wasn't as compelling as the the first and the third mm-hmm. story. Cool. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, all of his movies are just great art pieces, and so it's just like mm-hmm. you know, sure. I'm, I'm definitely like like yeah. we're all they all have a certain look, and it's 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 right. Uh, yeah, and I mean, know. uh, I. This would definitely be a movie that I wouldn't mind owning on Blu-ray and rewatching. You know, mm. I, I have certain Wes Anderson films that are like that for me, like Rushmore. I have yeah. I Love Dogs, and then I mm-hmm. also have Moonrise Kingdom. Those are probably my favorite yeah. Wes Anderson yeah. movies, the ones that I own on Blu-ray. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, so probably the one that pe- would shock people the most, those who know me, that I, I a movie that I really enjoyed, Ooh. and I actually saw this with Jr. and he hated it. Uh, was uh, Voyagers, which was actually one of the first movies I saw this year. Uh, I think it was like early in spring. Wow. I saw this movie. It was like the first new release. Because, I mean, I guess we should contextualize how movie going was this year. Like yeah. a lot of movie theaters didn't actually reopen until March. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a lot of movies out theaters that were still close. So I was still watching movies at home. Yeah. So I think that might have been the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that I saw in this back in the theater. At least it was the first movie that was a new release because I remember too they were carrying over some of the releases, you know, yeah. just to kind of let them yeah. have some theatrical life. But Voyagers was the first like official 2021 so, so movie that I saw. Why did JR hate it? Um, <laughs> uh, for reasons that I understand, which are that you know it's a uh, um, how would I describe? It? It can be predictable and also like it doesn't really give you any way in like you could dislike all of the characters in this film, you know, like you can be at a distance from it um, the whole time. But I to me, that was organic to the movie because I mean, the basic premise of it is they go on a mission into space where it's going to take years like you know uh so it might take a couple of generations to get there and that's always like a a thought experiment i've been fascinated by in terms of space travel is like how can we like reach the depths of space when you know age is our limit you know and especially like you need a full-grown adults to travel into space and to Mm -hmm. have that um uh, mental fortitude to be able to travel in space so more than likely like the youngest people you'll get are like in their 20s and what if the journey takes like 50 60 years you know to get to yeah. uh, the, and then you know the, there's no uh return you're just going to be out there for the rest of your life and right. live on on a space station so so the the movie entertains that idea which is basically that they have one adult who goes on the mission uh which is played by um Colin Farrell and um he basically has all these synthetic babies that he, he takes with him and they all have like a program where, you know, they, the educational program, there's like um, a fluid that they take that kind of uh, sedates them. Mm-hmm. So all the performances by the, the young actors uh, as they grow up are, are very deadpan, which I, I liked, you know, and I thought oh. they really nailed it. Like the cat, the younger cast is like um, um, Ty Sheridan, who was also in card counter. Uh, I like him and um, uh, Lily Rose Depp, who's Johnny Depp's daughter. And um, the third guy was in Dunkirk, um, Fionn Whitehead. So all of them were really good. Um, 
and yeah, I something about it. Like I guess maybe even just the rush of being back in the movie theater again. Mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like yeah, like, but like I, did the movie have good atmosphere? You know, like the set yeah, yeah. and the pacing. I, yeah, I I'd never seen a movie by this director before, Neil Berger. You know, um, but I, I know the memes from Limitless, which is funny, you know, he which he made with Bradley Cooper. Uh-huh. So, yeah. <laughs> that's all that's basically my experience from Neil Berger films. I've never seen anything he's done. Nice. But um no, I, I I liked it a lot. You know, I I thought it was well very well done. It had good production, the cinematography was really beautiful. Good. And I just have a soft spot for movies set in space anyway. Yeah. So um and just the fact that it is this taking to the conclusion this idea this thought experiment of what it would take to travel to the far depths of space like Like, i thought was interesting what are some of your favorite space movies i mean alien of course yeah (laughs) one of the big ones um uh one that i love which we could discuss on on a separate episode because i'd love for you to see it is um the american astronaut by um uh, cory maccabee Okay. Which is like this crazy, like, rock sci-fi musical. Uh, And, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to find, so I might have to, like, send you a copy of it. Okay. Uh, I have it on DVD. Cool. The American Um, Astronaut. Okay. Yeah, even the DVD is, like, so overpriced. Like, (laughs) I I was lucky to find that was, like, around 30 bucks. Yeah. Uh, But generally, like, people are selling that, that DVD for over 100 bucks. It's crazy, but yeah, it, it's one of the most original films, and yeah, it celebrated its 20th anniversary last year. Actually, it came out in 2001. Cool. Um, so yeah, the uh, American Astronaut is definitely up there for me. It's just such an inventive space movie because it was it was shot in low budget. It's black and white. Yeah, nice. and it's it's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I remember just as a kid, my dad was a huge fan of like 1950s sci-fi. So like I saw like a ton of those that genre of so you know a, a lot of it is on Earth but then I remember like it it the Terror from Beyond Space and um, there was another one right. pl- um, with Leslie Nielsen Planet oh. um, so okay well anyway so like I'm familiar with like that gun. that like <laughs> night that like 1950s genre yeah th- this was right. Leslie Nielsen before he was doing comedy. <laughs> Yeah, he was a serious actor. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, so, okay, cool. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many great space movies. I mean, even just in recent memory, I think one movie that a lot of people slept on was um, Ad Astra, okay. uh, which came out in 2019, which is a great space movie because it's it, it's a movie. This is one of my favorite things about sci-fi. Like, even though I don't know if I could ever do sci-fi myself, is that it is like a launching pad for for a lot of ideas. Like it's a genre that seems kind of hooky and trashy, but then they put yeah. all these ideas in that they like to explore, you know, like Vonnegut's done that with his sci-fi work. Um, so yeah, uh, Ad Astra is one of those like sci-fi movies that has like incredible ideas, you know. Yeah. Um, and then even um, uh, First Man, the movie about uh, Neil Armstrong starring Ryan Gosling, Mm-hmm. I normally yeah. like I dislike uh, Damien Chazelle and his movies, but that movie was like the exception. I was like, man, this is really good. And that was definitely a theater movie because they shot the moon landing sequence in IMAX. Ooh, and, <laughs> you know, it looked better than the actual moon landing. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, good. Um, 
yeah yeah okay. yeah so yeah there's definitely a lot of uh great space movies yeah i feel i mean solaris as yeah. well both solaris is the the yeah. andre tarkovsky and the the steven soderbergh version yeah yeah have you seen great. have you seen sphere oh no i haven't but isn't sphere like underwater i think sphere is underwater but it's like yeah it's alien yeah, 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 and yeah, I mean, so and that's like, a whole another subgenre mm, is is, is right, aliens yeah, in the sure. ocean invasion, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing, yeah, uh, the yeah. abyss, yeah, kind of thing, yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, aliens too, like the sequel to Aliens is like one of the greatest sequels of all time, you know, <sighs> Aliens. And aliens. Ugh, yeah. Such fond memories of watching that movie. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah instant well, rewatch <laughs> well we might have to do like a season you know like if we end up breaking this podcast into seasons we might do a season on like mm-hmm. space films and just like we'll, we'll okay. just go go one yeah. at a time all right all let's right. uh yeah, let's definitely. keep it moving though okay so uh, the next movie is uh spencer which is the biopic of um princess diana um yeah, I, another movie that took me by surprise. Uh, although I will say the trailer sold me on it. Like it was mm-hmm. one of those things where I, I saw the trailer and I was like, I want to see this movie. Yeah. Um, I've noticed that there, there were a lot of movies this past year that were doing the boxy format of like square four by three. I mentioned them. Um, yeah. Uh, French Dispatch. Another one was uh, Tragedy of Macbeth also had the square uh, format. Um, so this one did as well. And uh, I mean, I would say the cinematography of, of this movie is, is really up there for me. And I, I, it would deserve it if it won awards. But obviously, everybody's talking about Kristen Stewart's portrayal of, of um, Princess Diana. And she's won so many awards for it. And she may win an Oscar for it. I kind of found it to be a very mannered performance. Mm. You know, uh, she's doing a lot of like gestures that I can see or telegraphed which is also my issue with uh meryl streep yeah <laughs> a lot of people love meryl streep but i'm just like yeah but she's acting like i can right. see that she's acting and mm-hmm. i i'm more a fan of like something that's more naturalistic yeah i mean she does kind of look like princess diana in some shots which is incredible but uh i mean the cinematography to me is still the star of this yeah. movie and i'd never seen a film by this director pablo lorraine before but um i i was interested to see like what his inspirations were and mm-hmm. you know the shining was one of them because it, it set all on this estate most of the movie oh, so okay. the way like it travels through corridors there's a lot of steady cam yeah. yeah and it's shot on film that's the other thing you know it's like uh, I don't know if people even notice that anymore because it was almost like a seamless transition from film to digital because a lot of digital emulates film. Yeah. But I can tell, you know, when something is shot on film, it's just yeah. the way mm-hmm. the light kind of um, uh, hits people is totally different on film. Yeah. Um, I forgot what that word was. It starts with an E. <laughs> the emulsion. Yeah, the emulsion. Like you could see that on film so yeah that that definitely made it amazing even though i, I saw it on digital it would be incredible to see it i guess um, projected on film totally um yeah and the, the supporting performances actually in the movie were great like um mm-hmm. timothy spall uh uh, uh sally uh jenkins i'm i'm blanking on her Here. hawkins sally hawkins it, and okay, um you got it uh yeah, uh, who's that guy who was um 
he's a great character actor. He was actually in uh, Prometheus and uh, one of my favorite movies, 24 Hour Party People. Sean something, I'm blanking on his last Wait, name, but he what, plays the head what's chef. What's the movie called again? In the movie. Spencer. Spencer. Sure. Yeah. I'll find his name. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Sean something, um, I'm blanking, but he was he was great in it too. So, um, so yeah, that, I guess that's really it. It's like the main flaw of the movie was the, the central performance to me, <laughs> you know. Uh, or Kristen Stewart. The supporting cast yeah. was all amazing. Yeah, Sean Harris. That's Sean Harris, there, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, Sean Harris is a great actor. Yeah, he played yeah. Ian Curtis in the uh, 24-hour party people. Actually, that's nice. another movie I think we should... Uh, Okay. bookmark for a future episode because i think you would appreciate that movie. Hour part- um, yeah, like, you got me at yeah party. american astronaut 24 hour <laughs> yeah see there, there's even a commonality between those two because they both involve rock music so hey uh, sign me up yeah <laughs> you know as yeah. as as uh, you know um, i've been doing these uh these mosh pit highlight breakdowns and um mm-hmm. I got. I have one one video that has about two thousand views already, so I'm feeling pretty good. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, all right. The next movie is uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Did you see that? Ooh, no. But this is yeah, the, the I, one with like Paul Rudd. Yes. Um, which is kind of a course correction after I guess that disastrous 2016. <laughs> reboot <laughs> reboot um yeah. which i never saw but nope. i've i've seen scenes from the movie that convinced me not to watch it um even though i do like a lot of the actors who are in it um just yeah. like okay and i like paul feig as well like you know i'm a big fan of um yeah. freaks and geeks and uh even spy was a really enjoyable movie you know mm. but uh i don't know so um so yeah uh the way i you know i just summarize ghostbusters afterlife is the algorithm gets it right. Or maybe the nostalgia algorithm gets oh. it right. Oh. <laughs> How did they get it like, so, <laughs> like like what did they do to get it right? Um well, yeah, it's just an interesting thing to me of like this idea of the the broken clock can tell the time, you know, mm-hmm. correctly twice a day. <laughs> sure. So I almost felt like it, it was an accident. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like on purpose. Yeah. Uh, Cause that is, I guess that's another thing that sums up this year a lot with Spider-Man No Way Home and uh, the Matrix and yeah. um, trying mm. to think of another kind of nostalgia. Dune? Uh, theme Dune? movie, but um, no, no, it wasn't. Cause Dune is actually, it's funny. It's not even on my list. Cause, um, uh, but that's more of a technicality. Cause I, I saw it under the worst circumstances. Like I saw it in AMC prime, which is supposed to be like, a great format mm-hmm. um but uh, the problem was i watched it in 3d oh and you know then even yeah. new is already like a dark filmmaker to begin with the cinematography yeah. wise and when you wear 3d glasses it makes everything darker mm-hmm. even more darker so i could barely make things out yeah. from the movie so yeah. i have no That's opinion on dune <laughs> until yeah. i yeah yeah i mean i'm sure it's probably gonna get hopefully for award season but no, Dune is, uh, from what I was able to gather, is definitely an original piece. Like he doesn't call back to um to David Lynch's mm-hmm. uh, movie at all. 
Um, so yeah, no, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I found Dune to be very easy to watch, followable, mm -hmm. looked good, right? You know, had no problems. Yeah, which is like I think hallmarks of a Villeneuve movie. You yeah, know? like that's why. Like, sort of no problems with the casting. Like there wasn't anything that, that was like, mm -hmm. that's weird. That's what, you know, yeah. the, you know, the only thing was maybe too many, too many stars. So it's like, you know, sure. kind of, you kind of get distracted. Oh, there's Momoa. What, 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 when am I going to see him again? Oh, there's, you know, <laughs> but yeah, but just, you know, just very easy on the eyes. Good movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, would Mortal Kombat be a, a nostalgia kind of piece <laughs> yes exactly yeah okay. yeah mortal kombat for sure see i forgot about mortal kombat too okay or maybe well, even like yeah what a movie we discussed on the filipino type pod the uh, godzilla year, kong. which i also forgot about godzilla versus yeah kong you know these movies like you know they're proven properties and then the idea like the way i i envision the nostalgia mm -hmm. um algorithm is like oh you remember this part you know that you liked uh here yeah. it is again you know it's yeah. like you know but in a different, you know, guise or whatever, or maybe, you know, like that, that's why I guess I appreciate The Matrix because it is doing that, but in a way where it, it there's a dark side to it, you know, the other um, nostalgia pieces are more like well-intentioned. Like, you know, I, I saw Spider-Man No Way Home on opening day, which I normally don't do, but I did it because AMC had this promo where if you, you saw it on opening day, you got a free NFT. So, <laughs> that's the reason the only reason why i saw it on opening day in a packed screening um, nice. and it was a 3d screening too yeah. and like people were you know uh hollering and clapping all throughout the movie you know so that, that 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 was it but for me like well of all the ips too i guess like ghostbusters has always been near and dear to my heart like i love the original movies both of them um and also the cartoon and then I collected the toys, you know, I had like an Ecto-1 when I was a kid yep. and, you know, Peter Venkman was my favorite Ghostbuster. So all of those things, like it, it was just, you know, tapping into all of those things with this movie. Yeah. But I think one of the clinchers, though, of why they get it so right with this movie, it's not a masterpiece. Like, it, it, you know, it actually is far from it. It's so predictable um you know all of these things but it's the casting of um oh my god why am i blanking on her name now uh the lead girl um yeah, here we go uh is it mckenzie or mckenna mckenna grace so mckenna grace um i didn't even realize i had seen her in movies before i thought that um this was her first role um but she was in this movie with um with Chris Evans, which he made in between the Marvel movies called uh, Gifted. Okay. And she was a lot younger then. Um, and she was great in that too. And that was like a, I wasn't expecting that to be like a tearjerker. It's like kind of a lifetime movie, but, <laughs> and it's based <laughs> on a true story, but it was really good. And she was great in it. And, you know, like this is several years later. Yeah. And yeah, she is, I, I feel like she's going to be a star. Like she definitely anchors the movie. And I'm glad that they made her the central yeah. part of the movie. Um, and she, yeah, she basically is the main character of the film, you know. Well, um, and, you know, it, it does like the nostalgia things, you know. I mean, most people who wanted to see this movie have already seen it, so I won't spoil yeah. it. Um, it's not a spoiler to say that all four of well, the, the three living Ghostbusters show up and then uh, Egon shows up as a specter. 
Oh, that's nice. You know, so that's meant, yeah, yeah, to tug at heartstrings and stuff. That's great. See, that's Mm -hmm. prime nostalgia, right? Right. Yeah, and you know, the tone was was just right. Was Slimer back? Uh, in a different form. It's kind of like um, you know, how Star Wars. (laughs) you know did right. a soft reboot by bringing back characters that uh, were sl- in slightly different forms so i, I forgot you. what they called the slimer creature in this movie but it, you know that was actually one of the best sequences in the movie the oh, the good. whole ecto one chase was really good nice uh but yeah i like the new characters and uh i mean you know finn wolfhard doesn't need to be in this movie but <laughs> everybody else was great you Perfect. know um so yeah the algorithm got it right that's way to go algorithm and yeah <laughs> so uh the last one in my um troublesome but really enjoyed was actually this short documentary that was on youtube <laughs> um called the hoff twins and uh just to put a little context with this uh this movie yeah. uh this documentary uh i'm a big fan of channel five news which used to be um uh all gas no breaks with andrew callahan i think his name is and uh you know there was this whole mess with all gas no breaks so he decided to do his own thing with channel five uh news and it's not really news but it's just like the bizarre subculture exploration so yeah like he goes into parking lots and interviews people in parking lots and that kind of a thing yeah or like he goes to like events like you know Mm -hmm. uh talladega speedway or um a f- the most recent one was like a fish concert you know i mean you might ha- have some footage there yeah. for your uh your oh, mosh pit review uh actually he has another one that from an earlier show like he goes to like kind of like an astral world type show uh, but not astral world <laughs> that would have been crazy if he was at astral world r.i.p those people but um yeah uh he he goes to a show like that and there's some moshing in it too um where it's like you have multiple performers um so yeah it's worth watching but so hoff twins is kind of a spin-off of that like the hoff twins actually show up in one of his pieces which is one of my favorite ones that he did last year which is uh about the pickup artists or like guys who want to learn from pickup artists and And then, um, you know, the Hoff twins just have a cameo in that piece where they basically just show that, you know, their approach is just like, you know, none of this bullshit that the pickup artist is is teaching, you know, which yeah. is just funny. So they have their own documentary, which is basically about them. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm blanking on the, the, the town in the Bay Area where they grew up, but it's it's a predominantly black area. Like they were the only two white guys that grew up in this town um and you know it, it obviously it shaped them and um uh you know they how you know they've basically been accepted in that community and how the you know the culture um uh, is, is something that they're a part of you know it's like the way they speak the way they carry themselves and i even like one of the highlights for me of the documentary is how it distinguishes between the two twins you know, because there is a distinction. I mean, you know, not obviously looks wise. Like, I mean, I think I can't tell the difference between twins most of the time, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, no but in terms of, I guess, their, per- yeah, their personality, because, yeah, they are identical. And, yeah, they're they're much better than the uh, what is it? Um, people been talking about the Island Boys, you know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have no. a lot more depth than the Island Boys or like um 
there was the ATL twins before. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember them. They were, um, you know, in uh, Spring Breakers, that Hong yeah. Korean movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like there's a lot more interesting things. And I just love how, you know, because later on, Andrew interviews um, Chet Hanks. You know, oh, and then I was just uh, I was telling my friend who also follows all of this. Like, he's like, there's going to be a crossover, like, you know, Hoff twins and Chet Hanks. And then sure enough, it happens. And it's, yes. it's actually quite moving, like their exchange. It's, it's worth watching. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's part of this whole universe. So I would say Hoff twins is just kind of a gateway towards Channel 5 news. Right. Um, so, yeah, that that channel's yeah, worth cool. uh, watching and subscribing to. That's great. I love I love anything that's on yeah. YouTube. Like that's, it's, it's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, something I just discovered yesterday, there's a three hour like YouTube video just about Nicolas Cage. (laughs) I'm like, I want to watch this thing (laughs) and see where this goes. Like, you know, how, how much can you talk about Nick Cage in three hours, you know? And then just based on like the opening couple of minutes or so, I'm already hooked. Like, I'm like, man, this is really good. Like it's drawing from, so many movies and yeah. just the different periods in his career. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean, Nicholas Cage was in several movies this past year, you know, mm-hmm. not just pig. Um, but yeah, I, I, I also have been going back to some of his earlier performances, like, especially in the eighties. Um, I really loved Valley girl. I don't know if right. you've seen the original Valley girl, like he's incredible in that. That's and- like, that. that's maybe my sister's favorite movie. It's brilliant. It's amazing. I think it's a masterpiece. Like, yeah, it's one of my favorite movies now too. All right. Well, and um, maybe that's one that we'll I'll write down to Valley Girl as, yeah, as a potential. Maybe we for... can have your sister as a guest. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. To talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I haven't finished it because I fell asleep watching it last night. But um, uh, I was watching Peggy Sue Got Married. Yeah, which also has Nick Cage in it. Um, and so far from what I've been seeing, this performance is great. And yeah. I, I, you know, I've been slowly going through kind of the B-side Francis Ford Coppola movies because everybody basically mm-hmm. considers those four movies he made in the 70s to be it and then everything else he kind of dropped yeah. off. Yeah. But there's been some like reappreciation for certain movies and I think, um, yeah, Peggy Sue Got Married is yeah is fascinating, you know, and I, I can't wait to finish it. So cool. Nice. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, that that those were my troublesome but really enjoyed. So now we're we're at the top tier. Ooh, baby. Okay, I'm excited. <laughs> the final four. All right. Okay. So um the final four. What can they be? Yeah. All right. So this one I actually think you need to see, uh, even though it's only playing in theaters. And this was I think the last movie I well, second to last movie I saw last year, which was um uh, Licorice Pizza. Yep. Uh, by Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're from the Valley, so oh, I yeah. think you'd appreciate it. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've been watching the new season of Cobra Kai and I love all the yeah. the name drops in the Valley. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, I also lived in the Valley for a brief period in my life. So yeah. you're, <laughs> I you're, love that it's, you know, you're from the Valley now. It's official. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I lived in NoHo. I lived with your mom for like a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh yeah I, I just love that the valley is this thing and you know even bringing up valley girl uh the, the blu-ray of that movie is amazing i mean we'll get into it when we do the actual episode but it has like historical stuff about it that, that i didn't know mm-hmm. um so uh so this movie is set roughly around 1973 
Right. Um, and it it was the time when the valley had basically become what it is now. Like they were basically saying that the valley, the last time it was really like a, a center for culture in its own kind of world before it became this homogenous suburb. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in the sixties, you know, and then all of that was lost in the seventies, yeah. you know? So um, that's kind of in the background of this movie, but it, it's really more about this, this young kid growing up in the Valley. He has aspirations of, of being an actor and an entrepreneur, you know, and he falls in love with this 25 year old girl who um, happened to be a uh, part of, you know, uh, this crew that we're taking like, you know, the school photo, and he's enamored with her. And, you know, uh, it, it's just fascinating how, uh, you know, TikTok Gen Z crowd, like, really tried to cancel this movie. Yeah. Because of accusations of grooming and pedophilia. Yeah. Which I, I just don't think are warranted. I mean, if we were even, uh, I feel like, um, equating it to their terms of, like, um, uh, roles of power and all of that. Because, you know, you always view the victim as somebody who has less power right so Mm -hmm. in this movie it's not like she's the one who's pursuing him he's the one who's always pursuing her you know and then um you know and uh, i i don't think enough people have seen it so i don't want to spoil the ending for this one i think people should go see it um but uh it it's it's all about the journey of getting there and kind of the you know the misgivings, the 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 mishaps, all of those things. That's more what the movie is about. It's it's about that awkward courtship, which she resists through most of the movie. You know, so so there's never this thing, like you know, she knows that it, it it's not right. You know that she's even though it's just yeah. a funny thing of like, um, had he been like five years later, like when he's 20 and she's 30, it's not a big deal anymore, you know? Mm. So uh, I like that idea of like, it's just this moment in time and you don't even know if it's going to work out, you know, it might. And then like, you know, it's forgotten about later on, but you know, you just never know. But like, yeah, the accusations that the movie has had of being problematic and all of that, I I just don't think it's warranted. Well, um, I mean, I think just in general, you know, movies are a good place to explore those topics. Mm-hmm. You know, to, just to kind of get people talking about it, because you know, you know, life is messy. Life isn't cut and dry, and sure, you know, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Obviously, you don't want anyone to get hurt. So I think, like, you know, making a movie mm-hmm. in the '70s and 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 having it having it involve that topic is like a perfectly fine way to kind of explore right. these things because we're we're all trying to yeah. sort it out together. Sure. Yeah, and I I mean I read like what inspired Paul and. Thomas Anderson to make this movie was actually he saw something on Ventura Boulevard where there was this young teenage kid who was hitting on this like older woman, you know, and he was like, oh yeah, what if, um, you know, she calls his bluff on it, you know, <laughs> like yeah. he asks her out and then she actually shows up, you know, that was the whole, <laughs> yeah. you know, impetus for the film, you know, and I, like I thought that was fascinating, and you know, Paul Thomas Anderson was born in on 1970, so the year that the movie is set is actually, he would have been three years old. Yeah. yeah. So um, it, it, it definitely, I think takes place in, in a world that is lived in, but at the same time, it's still kind of occupying a same kind of dream space that Tarantino's once upon a time in Hollywood. Right. 
takes place in like almost like an alternate reality an alternate 70s even though there are some bases like i looked into it like you know there's this whole subplot about like this uh, mayoral candidate joel wax who i didn't know was a real guy and he actually ran against tom bradley and we all know tom bradley yeah. won because you know tom bradley has now a terminal named after him in lax um but it's just like those little details and like the gas shortages like all of that um uh, was really done well and you know Bradley Cooper's character is actually based on a real producer named John Peters who was like a Barbara Streisand's hairdresser and he became Barbara Streisand's boyfriend and a producer oh and he produced the original well not the original but the Barbara Streisand version of A Star is Born because the original okay. was with Judy Garland nice. um, but yeah, uh, yeah he's, he's based on a real character um, but I understand people's like uh, other kind of um, qualms with this movie that one it's kind of episodic you know it's kind of like a hangout movie really like there's no real overarching plot outside of the the romantic interest um it just goes from like beat to beat and you know it's more like a slice of life and um other people don't like philip seymour hoffman's kids performance uh cooper hoffman um some people find him really annoying but like the thing is, what I feel is that he actually nails it because he is supposed to be annoying. He's like this kid who's 15 years old who's like overconfident and thinks too highly of himself. Yeah. You know? So I think he actually nailed the role. But, you know, I have to say, like, Alana Haim, her performance is my favorite performance of the year. Like, if anything that makes the movie worth watching, it's her. Like, you know, it's her first ever movie role and she nails it. Like, it's incredible. And, you know, like, I know a girl that's exactly like her. And I, you know, even mm -hmm. had a crush on a girl like her. And even just like a little sentimental detail was that she's left-handed. Uh -huh. And there's a scene where um, Gary Valentine's Cooper Hoffman's character points that out. He's like, oh, you're left-handed. I've never met a left-handed yeah. person before, you know. Yeah. And um, I just remember my first ever crush in third grade oh, yeah. was left-handed. And, uh, you know, she sat to my right. So, and I'm right-handed. Mm. So when we were doing writing exercises, she would always elbow me, <laughs> <laughs> like knock me off yeah. uh, my writing. And, um, and then, yeah, my first ever girlfriend was also left-handed. So, you know, I, that definitely struck a chord with me, but just mm -hmm. um, the way she portrays herself as this girl in her mid twenties, who's trying to find herself and is also just frustrated with how her life is going because probably she she thought she would have figured it out by now which is the exact opposite of alana Haim in real life by the way because right. she's part yeah. of a hugely successful band with her sisters who also are in the movie like her entire oh, no family way. in the movie is actually played by her family her parents and her um her sisters wow. that's a talented family Jeez. and yeah her dad is yeah yeah her dad is great as well like i think they said the dad just improved most of his <laughs> lights you must love so that. um yeah it's it's yeah, and then they're also from the Valley. You know, I mean, that that tie-in, too, is because, um, you know, PTA had directed um, some of their music videos. And I thought, oh, is he just a fan of the band? But right. no, actually, um, uh, I think uh, their mom is like a family friend okay. of the Andersons. So their moms are friends. So they kind of grew up in the Valley. Um, so I think he even babysat them or something. Um, so... <laughs> So yeah, there there was that connection there. Totally. Um, so it was great to to feature them 
in it. But yeah, it's it's also beautifully shot. Another movie that's yeah. shot on film. It yeah. you know, uh, I, I I will say this too. This is another reason why I like the movie so much is because I did not like most of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies from There Will Be Blood to Phantom Thread. Mm-hmm. Um, like I I feel like they were very cynical. And they were about people just being cruel to each other, uh, which I guess a lot of people enjoyed. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. Like it was, it was nice to actually see a movie where you know it's not as black and white as that in this movie. Like it, you know, some people do cruel things, but it's not. It doesn't come from a place of meanness and evil like the other movies do, you know. And for him to go back to the valley as like this changed man, because you know, in a way. I guess the silver lining of there will be blood is that it was him kind of coming into his own. Like he had to shake off a lot of his influences from, you know, from Mm -hmm. his early films, which I still really love, but for him to come back to the Valley as now this, this filmmaker is more confident in himself. And, you know, he's even now he's his own cinematographer. He co-shot the film with uh, Michael Bauman, who also co-shot Phantom Thread. So, just the fact that you know he's a changed person and he goes back to where he began you know even though technically his first film wasn't set in the valley it was set in nice. reno um but you know that's where he's from uh yeah. like for him to make this kind of comeback was great yeah so and i listened to, to pta on a podcast he was talking about how i think it, he plans on having it be like a really long theatrical run before it even goes to oh, vod yeah. so no i love so, it so hopefully, so hopefully, I'll get a shot at seeing it in the upcoming months. Yeah, yeah, please, and yeah, if you can see it projected on film, go yeah. see it on film. Okay, cool. um, so we got three left. Three was that? Oh wow, that was the first one. <laughs> There's three more. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, okay, all right. I'll uh, yeah. Okay, so um, interestingly enough, even though I won't bring this up next because I want to save it for last is um there's another movie in this list which is also uh has something to do with having a long theatrical run and we'll talk about it once we get to that movie but um uh the next movie i'll I'll bring up is uh, the worst person in the world um which uh yeah it's uh that's the the english title it's um it's a norwegian film by uh uh, joachim trier i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing his name correctly um, but yeah, I, I've always enjoyed him as a filmmaker. Like I always thought that he had promise. I, I saw his first film or was it his first film? Um, it was definitely one of his earlier movies reprise. Um, uh, I think around 2008. Uh, and I was like, man, this guy's really got potential and I kind of want to revisit it. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, and, uh, I kind of just dropped off. He, he's made movies in between and I caught up with, uh, Oslo, um what was the full title it's Oslo something um and that was pretty good too uh uh, but I never felt like there was a movie where I was like this is a masterpiece I'm like this is this is a great film like they just all had potential and I feel like with the worst person in the world he fulfilled that potential you know it's like he he pulls off a lot of incredible like innovative things in this film you know, um, it, it ostensibly again, it's similar to actually that's a common theme with the top four. I realized was that it's about like a woman finding herself, you know, um, and uh, the worst person in the world is the main character, um, which I'm blanking on her name now. 
And it's funny because he's worked with this actress before, uh, but I completely forgot about her in, in Oslo, like um, in that movie. I was just like, who was she in that movie? Because she really stands out in this film. Mm-hmm. Like just, um, yeah, it's another incredible performance. I mean, if not for Alana Haim's performance, I think she won Best Actress, actually, this uh, this actress in, um, I got to name her now. Is it uh, Renate Rensvi? Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. Is that how her name is pronounced? Or, okay, or, um, or yeah, Renata. Renate. Yeah. Renate or Renate? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Another thing was I actually didn't think I was going to be able to watch this movie before the year ended because um, uh, the distributor Neon uh, pushed it back. Um, so I, it, it's actually going to get its official theatrical release um, this year, cool. I think nice. in, in February. So yeah. I might actually go back and see it in the theater because it is a very cinematic work. Like he, uh, you, you'll, you'll see it even in the trailer. There's a yeah. moment where he freezes time which is really incredible. Oh, cool. But yeah, I just love how um, it's divided into chapters and each chapter has like its own unique kind of detail or quirk. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, I, I can't remember even the time span of the movie, how long it lasts, but it's definitely a coming of age for like a, a lady who's like in her late 20s, moving into her 30s, you know, yeah. and then uh, just a weird coincidence too with Licorice Pizza. It's about like her kind of being involved with an older man Mm-hmm. And there being objections to their relationship being like, you know, it's like we're on a different timeline, you know, like I'm I'm already the, the guy's like basically saying I'm ready to settle down and all these things. And then briefly, you feel like, oh, maybe they might actually be able to make it work, which is fascinating to me because, you know, the dynamics of a relationship now as I'm growing older and, you know, I know better so much of a relationship. And you can probably speak to this, too, is just both of you wanting to make it work mm-hmm. you know rather than having commonalities you know it's just about that yeah. that agreement yeah of like yeah let's make this work you know yeah and, um, and and um you know the mechanics you know like how good are you guys at problem solving you know <laughs> or you know and then mm-hmm. and and heading and heading heading in a, a direction yeah and i've always felt like you and Malika are yeah like you guys make a good team you know you're a good pair so it's, it's 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 definitely a huge part of it yeah yeah so the movie um touches upon that you know um uh and yeah i mean i want to save the surprises because not hardly anybody's seen okay. this movie yet but um, okay. there's a lot of like cinematic like uh, I don't even want to call them tricks, but illusions that the movie pulls off that right. is really incredible. Nice. So it, it's worth uh, seeking out in the theater. And That's yeah, awesome. Renata, her performance is is amazing. Yeah. So cool. That's good to hear. Worst person in the world. Yeah. Worst person in the world. <laughs> maybe best movie uh, of the year. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right. So that, that knocks that one out. Um, yeah. The next movie also, I guess, hardly anybody saw like, when I went to see it, I actually, uh, there was only probably three of us in the theater. And I didn't even know it was going to play in my area. Like, you know, I'm in the OC for listeners who don't know. And uh, we do have like an art theater uh, called the Frida. Um, but sometimes movies don't manage to make it out there. Mm-hmm. So this movie, The Souvenir Part 2 uh, by Joanna Hogg is, you know, as the title implies, a sequel to The Souvenir. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happened to be playing actually in a theater in Irvine 
near where I used to live in Irvine. <laughs> it was just right outside it. And it was like an Edwards theater. And I was like, this was the only theater that was playing at BDOC. So I had to go. Um, and, you know, I loved the first souvenir. Um, it was already like implied that it was going to have a part two, like the end credits of the first souvenir says mm -hmm. it, but it got pushed back. Like it was because uh, the, the first souvenir came out in 2019. So part two was supposed to come out in 2020. But obviously the pandemic happened, so they pushed it back to this year. Um, and I didn't even know if it was ever going to come out because there was barely any fanfare. Like it's an A24 movie. And it, I don't know. I just find like A24's like promotion of their movies to be a little strange where they're really like four wall a certain movie like Pig or The Green Knight. And then they'll just kind of tuck something away like this, like. The, the souvenir yeah. part two where it's like eh, nobody's gonna see this you won't see the trailer like yeah i don't even i i never even saw the trailer in theaters uh, -huh. uh but i knew about it and you know once i found out that it came out like i had to go see it and to me it's still of a piece of, of the first film like I, I i treat them as as two parts of one movie mm -hmm. like rather than two separate films you know like you can't okay. really watch this film and and get it you yeah <laughs> you need to have seen part yeah. one you know, it's a continuation of it. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, just summarize it because, again, you know, this theme of, of a young woman kind of coming into her own, again, comes up in this movie because it's about this this young filmmaking student who's based on the director, Joanna Hogg. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's based on her, her actual experience um, uh, of being a film student and falling in love with this man who was obviously terrible for her and he was a drug addict and there's a moment that happens in the souvenir part two where he sells off all her film equipment for drugs you know um and uh yeah so that's the kind of person that she's with and you know i guess for yeah. people who haven't seen it i won't spoil the, the whole thing but the the second part is about her getting over that relationship and how she okay decides to basically make a film of it you know? okay. so it becomes meta it's like the yeah. film about a film about this experience you know and then um uh the actress that actually um uh joanna hogg first worked with was tilda swinton um and tilda swinton is also in both movies but now she's playing the mother of the the film student and the film student is actually tilda swinton's real daughter in oh, real wow. life uh cool. honor swinton burn and she's great like yeah. her performance is great and you know i gotta give a shout out to richard ayawade are you a fan of richard ayawade I wouldn't he's know. from the IT crowd he was in this movie called The Watch which I haven't seen but I'm now curious about <laughs> with um, Ben Stiller and uh, it was kind of one of those stupid yeah. comedies that came out in the okay. 2010s um, but um, but yeah he's a really funny guy uh, mm -hmm. I really like the show he has on Hulu called Travel Man where he spends <laughs> 48 hours in, in a different country and sometimes he has a guest with him and th that's a really enjoyable like filler show if you and yeah okay. he's just an interesting guy and i mean he's also an interesting filmmaker actually i would say because um he's made two films submarine which kind of gets um compared to wes anderson uh which is warranted you know but i thought mm -hmm. it was also like sweet on its own but i really liked his second film which a lot of people don't like which is uh, the double with jesse eisenberg and um mia Wasikowska. Mm -hmm. um and i thought that was a really like confident piece and i wish he'd make another movie um 
And yeah, funnily enough, he's a filmmaker in in the souvenir. And in the souvenir part one, I didn't actually even recognize him because he shaved his head because he's known for having like this kind of poofy okay. hair. Um, so he had a shaved head and I didn't recognize him in, in the first souvenir. He only had one scene, but it was a very memorable scene. And they definitely give him more of a role in this in the second film. And he's he's great. Oh, it's great. such a great performance. Like, you know, yeah, it, it, he would have my vote for uh, best supporting actor, you nice. know, if it was up to me. Sure. Um, but yeah, the souvenir, it's it's great. Like it's also shot on film. I don't know why that also comes up again as <laughs> another thing that, you know, I guess because it is a dying medium, there's not many filmmakers who have that luxury <laughs> to do it. Um, so, you know, when you see it, it's just, yeah, it, it's definitely a unique performance. Like it registers differently in mm. your mind, you know, when yeah. you, you see a film being even if it's digitally projected, it still is different. Like the motion is different. So, um, yeah. So the souvenir part two, I mean, for the longest time, that was the only movie that I actually liked. Like that was the other thing about this year was that it was so, I feel bottom heavy. Like I had to watch most of the, the films I liked towards the end of the year because it was just so disappointing. But I, I, I guess it came out in October um and I, I think i saw it on halloween actually oh <laughs> funnily enough yeah um yeah yeah so it came out like late october um but for a longest time i was like okay that salvages the year like i at least saw one masterpiece you know well good um and i really hope that the yeah this they they come out with the two films as one set and i would definitely buy that right. on blu-ray and, and watch both movies so yeah Okay. All right, so that leaves one more movie. Oh baby, <laughs> and the four here we aren't go. actually they're in, <laughs> they're in, they're interchangeable, but this is just because this was the last movie. Like I ended the year watching it. Actually, I ended the year and started the year watching this movie. Like it it fell over the sure. I paused it basically um at midnight just to watch the fireworks and stuff yeah. and then resumed the movie. Came back. Uh, yeah. It wasn't intentional, but yeah, but um uh, I forgot like what happened. Like I, I guess I'd taken some edibles, um, yeah. <laughs> which I guess has become part of my my movie going experience uh, this year too, which is new um, to kind of enhance it. But I guess that also got me a little distracted. Like I think I, I before I even got started, I, I had to play some records. Yeah, for a while, <laughs> like I listened to the Fragile, uh, you know, by Nine Inch Nails totally. <laughs> on New Year's Eve. Like, have you ever gotten into that that realm where you try to sync up an album with a movie? Like, like make your own sync ups. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Especially with uh, silent films, because yeah, because I, I don't like a lot of silent film scores. I think they're very cheesy. Yeah. So I prefer to either watch it in complete silence or or play mm -hmm. a record. Okay. You perfect. Know? Yeah. Um, uh, be because yeah, like, and generally I prefer instrumental. Um, like records like nice. you know no vocals um, right. um but yeah that that it wasn't concurrent i i listened to the fragile which i realized like it just resembles like a new beginning to me like it sounds like a new beginning that's yeah. what the fragile means to me so i was like i have to listen to the fragile again and um so i i started late and i was like yeah this is gonna overlap with with midnight but who cares um so it's this movie called memoria which um okay. I was very hyped about. Like I had heard about it. Um 
And, you know, again, it stars Tilda Swinton, but this time she's the lead. And it's by this Thai filmmaker that I'm a big fan of, um, Chapong, where Seth Akul. And, you know, for shorthand, most people just call him Joe. You know how Thai people always have, like, their, <laughs> sure. their nickname. So his nickname is Joe, which is, you know, endlessly amusing to me. Yeah considering to if, if you know him as a like a personality like mm-hmm. <laughs> he's he doesn't strike you as a joe he's not a joe um but any <laughs> he's not an ordinary joe uh and yeah that, that's what i'll say like he is one of the most innovative and talented filmmakers working today like cool. uh even older filmmakers mentioned that they they really admire his work you know and it's crazy to think that he he started his career like 20 years ago um, and he's been working steadily. And uh, I wrote like a really lengthy review of this on Letterboxd actually about the movie because, uh, again, this is another movie that I feel like a lot of people would have, you know, reservations about or qualms about, especially because of the trend of of where world cinema is heading, where a lot of these these filmmakers are making English language films with stars mm-hmm. in them, you know, but I, I actually am fascinated by it as a subject genre like i think it's actually a lot of the movies are are very interesting you know um the results are are fascinating so i i was definitely not gonna hold it against this movie that it had tilda swinton in it and that it was mostly in english there's some parts Mm -hmm. are in spanish um and it's another movie that it's hard to really describe it um without giving too much away but i'll i will just say um from what you can also because the trailer is also very enigmatic and mm-hmm. mysterious um but uh, i will just say like it, the basic premise of what pushes it forward is that tilda swinton hears this kind of loud kind of bang sound and it's a very unique kind of bang sound and she's trying to trace the origin of this sound mm. and that's that's basically that's a <laughs> good jumping off point um, yeah synopsis of yeah yeah so yeah and you know you being a guy that's a sound guy like i think you'd be fascinated by it especially like there's a sequence that's in the trailer where um she's listening to the different bangs in in um in a recording studio you know to kind of figure out what that sound was you know um so yeah and I, I'm, I'm fascinated by sound too because even i guess in my creative work that i'm always trying to find um yeah it's it's funny you brought up that idea of of setting your own soundtrack to movies like um i there's this idea with cinema where it's supposed to be like sound and vision coming together right mm-hmm. that they're not separate but right. you know when films started they were always separate because you know sound was not di- recorded directly onto film you had yeah. to basically splice them together in the editing mm-hmm. so um I'm kind of coming back to that idea that sound is separate from cinema, that you can create, like your sound does not have to be faithful to the image, right? You know, that you can create like your own soundscape that's completely independent of it. And I mean, you know, the soundtracks that I really love can work independently of the movie, you know, like uh, an example I would use all the time is a razor head, you know, like soundtrack of a razor head is its own like dark ambient, album and i love it and you know just tying it into a pichapong or joe they actually released an album of like sounds from his film because you know the sound design in his films are always like meticulous you know they're incredible like my favorite film of his is syndromes in a century and the sound design in that film is amazing so it's a mix of 
of some um, atmospheric sounds and then some of the songs that um, show up because yeah he's a very musical filmmaker too like there's a there's a little musical sequence in memoria which is incredible um uh so yeah i mean how to describe this movie like what i loved about it without spoiling it but um yeah it's um it's just a transcendent experience like you know even i think had i seen it without um uh, the aid of edibles, I would still feel that way about it, you know. Um, and this is also coming from like I was really disappointed by uh, Joe's previous film, uh, uh, Cemetery of Splendor, which a lot of people like. I'm probably in the minority because I just thought it was very slight, and then it was just it didn't really do anything new. Because one of the things that I love about his films is that there's like a revelation towards the end of each movie you know and it's like it, it's sometimes very subtle and quiet but it's a revelation and it just didn't feel yeah. like a revelation towards the end of oh. cemetery of splendor so to me like memoria is kind of a return to that where it's like the you know it's it's basically the um the pivotal point in the movie where you either you're on board with it or not is like you know the revelation it's like oh, when good. that happens like uh yeah so so yeah, um, but going back to the the release of movies, like it's very controversial because again, I bring up Neon, <laughs> this oh. uh, you know, which is basically a twenty four's main rival. I feel like, and uh-huh. you know, um, Neon, you know, they they uh, they produced um, Titan, which won Palm d'Or, and then mm-hmm. the previous Palm d'Or winner and also Best Picture winner Parasite was also distributed right. by Neon. So their proposed plan for memoria and the release date and this is why i had to watch it at home is that they're never going to release it uh at least in america on home video or streaming it's going to be on a permanent theatrical run got it and in principle i have no issue with that i'm like okay sure i love that i mean there's certain movies i've seen that only are are meant to be seen in the theater and have never gotten home video releases like Matthew Barney's uh, Cremaster Cycle Mm -hmm. is an example. Actually, all of Matthew Barney's movies have not been released on streaming or video on demand. So you can only see them when they get theatrical run. So that's not an issue for me. The main issue that I have and what most other people have echoed, especially people who don't live in the major cities, is that their plan is that it will only get a release like one week at a time in a different city. Oh, so you have to yeah. wait. So, so you have to hit the window. Yes, yeah. of of that week. So it just recently did its week in New York. So I'm I assuming logically the next week is L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, but then yeah, what Chicago, San Francisco. Yeah, you know you 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 can just predict that it's gonna hit all the major cities first. And it's like how long do people have to wait? Like if you live in like you know um like I have a friend uh hey Brandon, my friend Brandon he lives in Kenosha. Like when is uh, twenty twenty three? Like when is Memoria yeah. coming to yeah? Or like when is it coming to Garden Grove in Orange <laughs> County? <laughs> like you totally. know, it's like how long do we have to wait to see this movie? So I think that was the mishap was that the the fact that they they're doing these one week runs like just do a simultaneous release like uh, you know it's fine if it's if it's only gonna play in the theater but release it in several cities don't yeah. do the one city at a time per week like you'll you'll only cover 52 cities this year yeah like <laughs> you it's know, gonna be tough that's not gonna be enough 
Yeah, and like, how do you decide the hierarchy of like what city gets it next? You know, aside from, you know, the mega cities. Um. So, yeah. yeah. Uh. So I I I very much disagree with Neon's uh, release strategy, and I have a feeling it, it it's gonna blow up in their face. It already has actually because it's received a lot of backlash because you know a lot of people who want to see it don't live in these cities, and then. On top of that, like uh, it, this actually happened in Twitter recently, and uh, I don't know if I want to highlight this guy's account, but people who know know. So there was this Twitter account that basically started posting like links uh-huh. to movies that um, may be hard to find or hard to see, and uh, the Memoria link has already been taken down. Like, <laughs> but I, 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 that's how I saw it. I, mean, oh, okay. I won't reveal how I saw it. Yeah. But anyway, no, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Um, yeah, yeah, but um, this. Uh, yeah, this Twitter guy, he got like 2,000 followers overnight just because he was posting these <laughs> these links. And, you know, there were, and people are begging him to basically re-upload the memorial link because some people are like, you know, saying which small town they're from in America and like how long they have to wait before it gets released. Because I think everywhere else in the world, you know, it's getting like a home video release, you know, um, like that, that copy that was distributed was actually like a, I think somebody had like a, a streaming copy from another part of the world. So, um, so yeah, that's the only way that people can see it. So that's, that's my main issue with this movie is just neon's um, release strategy. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah it makes so, it yeah. less fun. So I guess, you know, I'll, I'll look and see it, you know, when it's going to come to North Carolina, but un- until then, I guess it's going to be on the yeah. back burner. Yeah, and that's the other thing. They they don't even have like a, a preview or like a list of what, what order the cities are going to be. Like, it's just, uh, you know. Yeah. You yeah. have to wait till the next week. You have to just <laughs> favorite so. that website and just refresh every day, I guess. Right. Exactly. Bookmark right. it. And then, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, if it does play near me, I mean, you know, I'm a hop, skip, and a jump from LA, but that's a whole other thing. I kind of just don't want to mm-hmm. go to LA lately but um you know i could still probably go see it theatrically cool. in la but you know if it does come to orange county fuck it i mean i'd even drive down to like san diego to yeah. watch it yeah exactly you know, if it ever plays in san diego well cool yeah so well yeah. thanks for running down your movies uh i'm happy to report yeah th- man there's two movies that i that i saw last year that i really like that you didn't see which I so I'm kind of surprised oh, by. Oh, okay. Well, well, All actually, right. you know what? You haven't. Okay. Maybe you've seen one of them. Okay. So I, the All movie right. that well, I saw that I really liked um, was called No Man of God. Have you seen this one? Nope. I did okay. not see it. It's 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 by director Amber Seeley, and it's basically it's another. Mm. It's marketed as another Ted Bundy movie, but it's not a, another Ted Bundy Ooh. movie because okay. so it's it, it stars Luke Kirby and Elijah Wood. Luke Kirby is uh, Ted Bundy. Elijah Wood is the FBI interviewer who's kind of tasked to kind of talk to him about, um, you know, mm-hmm. what it's like to be a killer and to try to, you know, get all the yeah, details. Yeah, so like and, the, and, the profiler. The profile, exactly. And so it's basically about their relationship. But um, Amber, Amber Seeley really wanted the movie to be have a feminist perspective. And it was shot entirely during gotcha. COVID. So it's a lot of two men in a room kind of a story. So it was kind of like, how do you make it more feminist? And she found some really innovative ways to to focus on on certain aspects of their conversations. 
and I think it really works. You know, it's it's really small. You know, you know, it's it's a, I wouldn't say a small film. It's 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 it certainly had a nice release. I think I think you can rent it's it on I, on iTunes. It's intimate, and yeah. there's a scene at the end gotcha. yeah. where Luke Kirby kind of takes Elijah Wood into what it's like to do the murders. That's like still kind of sticks with me. It's wow. like very very memorable. Okay, so I would recommend No Man to right. God. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I can't believe I, I missed it because you know I'm I'm a fan of uh, the David Fincher show Mindhunter. Yeah. Um, and you know that's what it's about. So it's like I, you know, I would love to to see more of this lore. You know. Yeah, so. it, it's it's in that realm. Yeah. Right. So yeah, if if you like mm-hmm. Mindhunter, okay. and then the other movie, I, I'm only I, I haven't finished it. I'm only about twenty. I have about twenty minutes left. And I, and it's unclear to <laughs> but me you what, know whether you love it, even though it's like yeah, yeah. I, and it's unclear to me whether it was yeah. it was released in 2020 or 2021, but it's uh, Kurosawa's film um, Wife of a Spy. Oh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Yeah, have you seen that? Oh yeah, I heard of this movie. Okay, no, I haven't seen it, but now that you've mentioned that, because I thought it was a. Uh... Um, some generic thing. Like, I guess I was thinking of the Spielberg movie, A Bridge of Spies or something. Bridge of like, Spies. I didn't know that it was his film. No, yeah. yeah. Actually, so- um, it was funny. I had I had an opportunity to go see it for free, but I just wasn't up to driving to LA. <laughs> oh, sure. But there was a free screening. At That'll Le- do it. Yeah, Leatherbox actually held a free screening at Los Feliz. And well, I was just uh, not up to driving to yeah. see this. Well, yeah. right now... We just rented it on Amazon Prime, and it's um, man, it's beautiful. Like the just the way it's shot, mm-hmm. every shot is like it's it's it just it looks so good. It draws you in. Hearing mm-hmm. them speak Japanese, it's there's it's so musical and like it's so it's easy mm-hmm. to follow. It's set in 1940s Japan, you know, in the background okay. of you know of just like. Japan, you know, Axis versus Allies, sort of, um, right? You know, it's it's in the background, the war between Japan and China, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just you know it's just magic. And so okay. we're not even at the we're at the third. We, we're, we stopped it at the beginning of the third act, okay. so <laughs> I, I don't even know well, how it ends. So, so I can't spoil it, but right. I recommend it already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I've actually only seen one Kiyoshi. Kurosawa movie and I liked it a lot and it was also a movie that had a surprising third act um, and it's only an hour long it's called uh-huh. Seventh Code okay. uh, but I really enjoyed it a lot especially for such a compact yeah. film mm-hmm. um, yeah I've been meaning to watch more of his movies and I will just say also relating to the Japanese um, filmmakers like um, uh, I should give like an honorable mention to Ryosuke Hamaguchi um, so one of actually my most anticipated movies of the year was Drive My Car, uh, right. which was Hamaguchi's uh, adaptation of a short story by, well, two short stories by Haruki Murakami. And it's like three hours long and I was so excited to go see it. And um, yeah, I was disappointed by it. Like, <laughs> it was yeah. just, it, it, I don't know. It, like, I guess if you're adapting Murakami, um this is why I think Murakami bristled against adaptations of his work because there's a certain like touch that he has and a mood that you have to hit. And I don't think Hamaguchi got it. 
And he, I guess he was trying to make his own film, but at the same time, it kind of falls in between two stools by uh-huh. him trying to do his, his film. Um, uh, but it does have some interesting elements in it. Like the, the main character he does plays where um, every actor speaks in their native language, mm. which is fascinating. So there's actually this Filipino actor, Perry Dizon, and he's in the play in the movie. Uh, actually, I think they're doing Uncle Vanya. And uh, he speaks in Tagalog. So all his lines of dialogue are in Tagalog in the movie. Oh, great. Um, so that was fascinating. And yeah. then, you know, I, I love that it, it it takes its time. That, you know, I like the idea of, of short stories being yeah. expanded upon. Mm-hmm. But it just didn't quite work. Like, there was just something really bland about the movie. And the thing is, Hamaguchi actually made two movies this year. And the other one I haven't seen, which I'm going to catch up on, which is uh, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. And... I previewed the the movie a little bit, and I was like, "This is already much better than than Drive My Car." Like, yeah. you know? Okay, because he, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. Like, he's just um, yeah, he's one of the best Japanese filmmakers working cool. today, and one of the younger ones too. Because you know, Kurosawa is kind of up there now, yeah, in terms of um, age. And then um, uh, who's the other guy? Um, uh, Sion Sono, who I didn't realize was also a lot older. Because um, yeah. he had a movie with Nick Cage this year called mm-hmm. Prisoners of the Ghostland, which was also just disappointing. Right. But yeah, just you mentioning Japan and like, you know, um, the language, I, was, I just thought of that of <laughs> Hamaguchi. But yeah, it's Wife a, of the Spy, I'm, I'm definitely curious. It's a really enjoyable watch so far. And then, mm-hmm. the, you know, and then just the, the, the other movies I saw this year, I saw, you know, I really liked, you know, but they kind of belong in the fun category is Mortal Kombat and Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Like Mortal Kombat just sure. for the Kano performance. Like that I don't know. I, I, the way that <laughs> yeah. the, the way the actor Kano was just like wins. he was just such a smart ass like making fun of everybody. Yeah. And then um there was a movie with Sandra Bullock called Unforgivable which okay. You know, it's kind of one of those movies that Netflix pops up. It looks like Bird Box. So you're like, "Oh, I'll, sure. I'll give it a shot." But it, <laughs> it but if it, it felt like right. sort of a a crime pres- procedural drawn out into a movie it's you know so it's interesting it's un, un, unforgivable was kind of forgettable i guess to put it like that okay but but yeah so yeah gotcha no, no man of god and uh wife of a spy okay yeah for sure i mean yeah i i would even love to do like a an episode on on kiyoshi kurosawa like i mean he has a lot of yeah. films so we'd have to just like hand pick them but you know like we'll the have to main pick one or two is like yeah. cure yeah, Cure and Seance on a wet afternoon. Like those ones are the ones that like people right, will say are like his his best work. Right. Um, cool. And I mean, you know, if you want to see Seventh Code as well, because uh, it's a fun movie and it's only an hour long. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, I really like yeah Seventh Code. All right. Um. Yeah, and I I, I guess we could end on um, just the outlook of this year movie wise. Yeah, let's talk about it. Um. um so I was just thinking, well, I'm already looking forward to movies. Like, I feel like uh, movies are are coming early this year. And maybe it was the backlog from the pandemic. And then we're now seeing an influx of movies. Like, I mean, already next week, I'm excited for the new Scream movie. Yeah. So I'm going to go see that. I've been watching. There's a, a horror movie account on YouTube called Dead Meat. Mm-hmm. And they do gotcha. breakdowns of like every horror movie. So I, so I, so I've been watching the twenty-minute synopses of Scream one through four, just <laughs> nice. just to kind of get caught up. And yeah, yeah, I'm. I don't remember three or four. 
that's the thing i've seen all four but i don't remember <laughs> yeah they're 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 the most forgettable one and two were so good and mm-hmm. then but it's a but just right. overall it's just it's just it's a series that you know doesn't necessarily uh have total duds in it you know like some some people might say right. th- three is a total dud but mm-hmm. it's not like friday the 13th where there's some awful ones you know yeah, because I think the third one was the one that uh, Kevin Williamson didn't write. You know, I mean, all four were directed by Wes Craven. I don't yeah. even know who's directing this fifth one, but um, yeah, and it, like it had a, an MTV series. Like, I don't know how yeah. they <laughs> pulled off the series. You it's know, like um, yeah, exactly. But you know, again, it's just uh, the nostalgia algorithm. You know, I'm a big fan of the first movie, so. Yeah. And yes, a little bit of the second one. So, you know, I'd just be curious to see. And, you know, January and February, it's the dog days of, of movies. So, you know, you're just excited. And because of also a benefit of like the, the pandemic delay, first week of February is the new Jackass movie. So I'm looking forward to that too. Yes, that um, sounds good. And there's this, yeah, there's this anime movie called Bell um, that's coming out, I think, the same day as Scream. So that that's also... But then March and April are really like when uh, you mentioned Sandra Bullock. She's going to be in this movie called The Lost City, which looks terrible. But it's just that all these movies that are coming out in March and uh, April are are just mm-hmm. weird. They're just really strange films. Like there's two ones in particular, actually, that stood out to me or maybe three, actually. One with Nick Cage, which is uh-huh. um, the unbearable, uh, what is it, uh, weight of talent or something. Um, which is him playing Nick Cage. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious about that movie, yeah. that meta movie. And then there's another movie called um, uh, Old Gold Brick, I think okay. is the title, with Oscar Isaac. And it's kind of a weird, like, um, I guess it's it's about a guy, like, getting involved with an author's life and all these bizarre things happen. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, the first, like, A24, like, major release is, is this movie with Michelle Yeoh called Everything everyone all at once mm-hmm. um and it deals with like the ideas of a multiverse and all of that so that's fascinating so yeah you know um there's these movies coming out that uh yeah cool. to start the year which yeah. uh, already have me excited so well shoot uh, well i'm excited like um i definitely think you know it would be fun to, to kind of keep this going throughout the year we just have sure. to fi- figure out a pace that works like it yeah. definitely would be fun to cover both an old movie and a new movie, and maybe we go back and forth, like however it however it kind of right. works out. Yeah, so, I mean, um, I was even thinking of doing an episode where we watch each other's favorite movies. So you watch my favorite movie, and I watch your favorite movie, and then yeah. we'll talk about it. That sounds good. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. yeah, so the kind of ideas that we have floating out there, yeah, is to like switch off or, 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 or to kind of cover each other's favorite films. And then we'll come back and talk about it. We talked about movies that you've seen that you recommend that I haven't seen. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we talked about maybe doing like a, like a Kurosawa run or something. Yeah. So, um, so, so we can talk offline about what, what we'll do next, but, um, What's a sure. good pace? Like, do you think we can do one episode a month? Do you think we could do two a month? Would that be pushing it? I guess it kind of I mean, depends I, I, on, on on each month. Yeah, yeah, I'd be down for for two a month. You know, I I think we you know because yeah. I mean we also have to take the time to watch these things. 
So, um, uh, yeah, so I would say two a month is, is yeah. not a lot I to think ask. that's doable. Um, and if we're late or whatever, it doesn't matter. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not on a schedule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, no, yeah, I, not at this point where everybody's asking yeah. where have you gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Know? So, um, so, so yeah. let's, let's aim for two a month and then we'll hopefully get at least one a month. Yeah. All right. And we already have one in the can with this Here one. Here we go, so baby. Perfect. And this was a, a mega one. Um, so I guess yeah, the last piece, sure. the last piece of business, do we want to try to come up with a name? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the tough part. <laughs> I mean, you floated this idea of uh, cinnamon, <laughs> which I like. And I looked it up. I, I haven't seen a podcast with that name. Cinnamon? Yeah, cinnamon. <laughs> yeah, it's unclear. It's like if I Google it, like I don't necessarily see it if I search it in iTunes, but if you Google it, something comes up. So it's like okay. I, I, I definitely, I definitely don't want the cinnamon, you yeah. know, hot on our path. But I do like that name. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, just um, speaking from experience of like taking a podcast name that already was out there, like I think it's kind of like a, um, what do they call that when something uh Winnie the Pooh happened recently? Uh, when it enters public domain. Like I yeah. feel like if your if your podcast has been dormant for years and you okay. haven't done a new episode, like that that title is up for grabs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. So, so you have to keep it going in order to you know have that name, unless of course they've they've copyrighted it or whatever. Then you right. know cross the bridge when we get there because I I know some podcasts who have pivoted and like have changed their name midway okay. through. You know, it's like it's not it doesn't have to we don't have to put as much pressure on ourselves to really. This is the name we got to stick with it. And yeah. All that, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if we want to keep it in in the same kind of universe as Filipino time, it could be Sinaman. Mm-hmm. You know, with with the emphasis, you know, on the back on the back half. Sure. The only other option that we kind of threw out, I mean, besides terrible ones, is Carlo's Way. I don't I don't <laughs> know like how yeah. much how much you're trying to really like brand yourself out there and, and right. get your name out yeah, there. Yeah, I mean. The whole thing is just um, it, it it's just I I I'm not really a narcissist and I don't, yeah you it's know, a little that, bit it. Like, on the nose yeah so okay right yeah that that's the only thing about it like I I would prefer actually you know I like titles where it's named after somebody that doesn't exist yeah sure. kind of thing like that's more fun to me like I I can't think of a podcast off the top of my head but like you know something like that where it, it's more indirect. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, because you know, I, I do find it amusing, but it's just, I guess, because it's my name. It's just, I don't know. I, 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 okay. I, I, yeah. That there is a part of me that doesn't really like the spotlight on me. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'd re- I prefer to be in the background. <laughs> all right. Well, things, it's, so. it's, all right. Well, we'll keep troubleshooting it, but it's it's sounding like it might end up being cinnamon. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. I'm down with that. All right. Well, uh, I guess uh, we'll sign off until next time. All right. Thank you, Carlos. Yeah. Thank you, Steve.